Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Well, it's officially summertime, so tonight the boys take a deep, deep dive into the 1984 TNA classic, Hot Moves, while smoking the Villiger TAA 2022 cigar. TAA. Hmm. I guess that means we're all in store for tits, ass, and even more ass. Sounds good to me. Even more ass. Oh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, getting back on track. Your favorite crew of lovable numbnuts will be chugging a ridiculous amount of craft beer all night long. I know, that's kind of surprising, isn't it? Sounds like, <laughs> seriously, it sounds like the fellas have a serious case of the hot moves tonight. And that can only mean that we're all set for a hell of a good time. So sit back, light them up. And enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Scar Club, episode 155. Hey! Oh, that's a good, that, that sounds like a big number, doesn't it? It yeah. is a big number. 153, 154, eh, 155 is like juicy. Hey, when you drink as much as we do, any number's a big number. That's right, buddy. Hey, is one, your uh, math face is 155, that's a prime number, correct? Yes. I don't think that's correct. Well, we are in prime form tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is summertime, baby. Uh, just kill me now. God, it's so fucking hot and miserable. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got in my truck yesterday. The temperature read 124 degrees. Don't surprise me. Don't surprise me. That's just wrong on so many, so many levels. Uh, well, folks, it's been a while since we seduced our way into your eye and ear holes. And a major reason for that is your favorite podcast host finally got COVID after all this time. Stupid T-ball playoffs. Uh, so, so that took forever to bounce back from. Uh, actually, I think I may still have it. I don't know. Uh, that shit lingers, boys. Like, it just, those positive tests just kept coming and coming. You were bound uh, to get something going to a T-ball tournament. 
you know what? I found COVID's like genital herpes, only there's nothing fun involved with the way you get it. Uh, and like I said, I, I may still have it, but I'm glad that's why I'm glad we're Zoom. Glad we're Zoom. Um, if my daughter's team had advanced to state, that would have been worth it. I'd be like, all right, I got COVID, but the, made to state, but uh, at least it was for something. As it is, uh, I almost died for nothing. But, Aww, but uh, no, I'm just playing. Those girls played their hearts out. I'm very proud of them. <laughs> yeah, because I, t- I told the guys this story. I went back. I didn't tell you real quick. Uh, as they're marching towards the playoffs, things were getting really intense. Each game mattered more and more. And one of the last games uh, is a Thursday night, and I'm sitting there and sitting in the bleachers watching the game, and the team we were playing uh, had this player that was like six inches taller than all the other girls. And she had like a t-shirt on instead of a Jersey and I'm watching it, man. She's just, every time she's up at bat, she's dinging them out into the outfield, which none of these little girls hit them out into the outfield and just Homer after Homer. And I'm like, this is, and then I'm, as I'm watching, like, it seems like she, she's creeping up in the batting order. And it's like every, you know, every five, hit her she's she's back up and i'm i'm looking around and none of the other parents who are usually very involved and very into what's going on especially with the playoffs online nobody really seems in tune with it or concerned about it so finally last inning i i, re, I leaned down to the other moms in the bleach i'm like are you, you guys seeing what i'm seeing i was like that chick is at least two years older than these kindergartners and she's huge and like she's batting like every fifth time and they just kind of the other moms just very politely just kind of chuckled at me and they, they informed me X the other team only had six players. They forfeited before the game. <laughs> and, and the big chick was just one of their older sisters who just decided to play to, to be a, an extra body out there. And the, yeah. the game, the game had no consequences and meant nothing. And I, uh, I decided after that game, First of all, I watched the whole game and I never realized we had twice as many players as they did. That's one hell of a tailgate. <laughs> they had no outfield, no catcher. Uh, so I st- that's that's when I stopped taking uh, Serbian Rakia pear brandy, plum brandy uh, in my water bottle to the games. And after that, I I, I, I seem to be a lot more focused on what was going on. Uh, Drawn out family guy moment. We were like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold Hold on a second. Drink some Rakia. Something. Something right here. Just a minute. (laughs) Odd is forming. Let me focus it. (laughs) Well, anywho, uh, in lieu of doing more shows, since I've been uh, laid up with COVID, I have been reviewing a shit ton of cigars over on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club.com website. So head on over there to see what we rated the Liga Pravada H99. Ooh, I remember the, that bad boy. The latest incarnation of the Room 101 Namakubi. And I think I may have triggered the wrath of Demi Lovato by reviewing the Rocky Road Ice Cream Munchie Cigar from Yasum Crawl. Um, uh, she gets really triggered and upset at everything. It seems like I'll do better to me. I'll, I'll, I'll do better. Wait, is is that the review that said, you know, the flavor starts swinging its big Swiss dick around. I just <laughs> thought that was literally, you know, masterful for a professional. You know, Thank you. Hemingway esque. 
<laughs> it if, did Hemingway, have, if Hemingway wrote for the forum in Penthouse. It, it, it did have some Swiss Miss hot cocoa type flavors to it, and I may have mentioned something about Swiss dicks. I don't I don't remember. Uh, I, <laughs> Hemingway's uh, more often not quoted book, uh, A Movable Penis. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Demi Lovato uh, trying to cancel everybody, my daughter told me I created a cancelable offense over the weekend that I didn't see coming. We uh, we had to go to Academy Sports and Outdoors to pick something up, and I as I was trying to find a parking space, I called them like, "Why the hell do they need fifty designated handicap spots all lined up in front of the damn store?" I'm like, "It's not that I'm anti-handicap, but..." At what point would 50 different handicapped people need to buy sporting goods at the same time? And she's like, dad, you can't, you can't say that. It's so wonderful. You've reached the point where your children are now becoming aware and how they should be embarrassed about you. Yeah. Oh, and then we were, what was the other one? We were driving somewhere and I was like, you know, you see people with the flood, the the blue, blue line flags flying in the yards to support the cops. Well, we were driving past somebody's house and they had like the blue line, a red line. And then there's like this bright green line on their flag. And I'm like, I've never seen that one. What's that for? And nobody knew. So we looked it up and it was uh, to, to show support for paramedics. And I'm like, who the hell needs to show? Is anybody anti-paramedic? Like, is anybody like out there like talking shit about paramedics enough to where you got to like fly a flag and like, I'm on your side, paramedics. Everybody loves paramedics. She's like, you can't. Know anybody that's against them. She's like, you can't. You can't. God damn, I can't, can't do anything anymore. You know, I. It's funny because just in in a few minutes, you've made me reverse a position I've been working on for weeks now. I was thinking about how I wanted to break habits that I picked up during the pre-vaccinated stages of of the pandemic, and and try to go do more things and break out of my comfort zone. Now, just five minutes into this podcast, I think it's just best for me to stay at home. Well, definitely don't go to Academy. Or ride around with Kate's girls. <laughs> like, what if you like fall and break your hip and the paramedics show up your house and like, couldn't help but notice you had the blue and the red lines up on the flag, but uh, <laughs> where's the bright green pal? They accidentally dropped the stretcher when they're loading it in. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. So sorry, Mr. K. I, I just think it's ridiculous to op- openly support something that everybody supports. We all love paramedics. Nobody's anti-paramedic. Anyway. Uh, there's a groundswell of anti-paramedic movement that we're just not aware of. Possibly. I mean, isn't anything possible in today's day and age? I guess. The Tuesday and Cigar Club is pro-paramedic. Of course. We are big time pro-paramedic. I also, I also like firemen. I don't, I don't see how you can not like those guys. Of course, yeah. the paramedics in our audience are going, really? You're not flying the green line flag? <laughs> Fine, I'll go get the damn flag. Thing is, I think they sell them at Academy. <laughs> I have to park a mile away to go get my flag. Well, as of now, at this time... I'm not speaking for 30 minutes from now. We're not canceled yet, folks. The Tuesday Cigar Club is still here. We're glad to be here. It's just and 
time. It's just a matter of minutes, I think, probably, especially with tonight. I don't know how I don't know how we've avoided that algorithm, but hey, good on us. Good on us. How do I put the green stripe on my square again? I can't seem to find it. <laughs> is it a, is it a background filter? Uh, so complicated. <laughs> Uh, well, well, four of these dipshits are having heart attacks at the same time. We can only, well, he's <laughs> the first one we're taking to the hospital. You know, I think they would still be professional enough to, be, to like, we're taking you to the hospital, but we're taking the long road over all the potholes. Oh! <laughs> Actually, the joke's on you. I do have the flag up with the stripe supporting uh, road construction workers. It's a big shit brown line on the flag. Uh, I like you're too supportive. Pick uh, up tomorrow and your road is under construction. You know what you did. I'm going to go out there tomorrow. My driveway is going to be completely jacked. <laughs> you, know you know what you said. I had no like, idea. I had the sort of influence. Driveway. There's only, like, there's only like, a flag only has what, like 13 stripes? There's only so much shit I can support. Is that right? 13 stripes? Did I get that right? Uh, so far, yes. Or am I going to get canceled for getting our flag wrong? <laughs> He's un-American. His well, tuxedo shirt was made in Guatemala. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's our 155th episode. I thought I'd jazz it up a little bit. Yeah, stay uh, classy, baby. Well, sadly, boys, we have one piece of business to attend to before tonight's summertime party gets kicked into high gear. Um, actors James Kahn and Ray Liotta both passed away since we record our last show. And the deaths of those talented actors sucked for sure. But I wouldn't have proposed filling the Buddha remembrance for either one of them as their cultural impact on me personally was fairly minimal. I liked them, but uh, the boot is a special thing as we've repeated over the last seven years. We don't just fill it for everybody. Uh, Tony Sirico, on the other hand, is an entirely different story. Doctor, would you be so kind to take things from here? Uh, I will do my best. Um, uh, Tony Sirico, lovable character actor, of course, uh, I think known to uh, most people uh, internationally uh, for his role as one uh, Peter Paul Gulateri, otherwise known as Polly Walnuts on The Sopranos. Uh, obviously, we've talked about The Sopranos before and the, the far-reaching cultural impact of that show um, and just how everybody was really great in it. Uh, but Tony was Polly Walnuts, who was really one of my favorite characters all throughout the duration of the show. Um He's one of my favorite TV characters of all time, period, on any show. He, he was an interesting cat. He actually, I believe, uh, um, I don't think there was anything in him that was a, a stereotypical Italian tough guy. I think he that's who he was. Uh, I believe he actually um, did serve uh, some time in jail. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he was also in, in Goodfellas, I know, uh, later, later in life, he did a voice, uh, did some voice work on with Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy and American Dad. Um, just truly, truly an enjoyable cat, um, and uh, man, just very, very memorable as Polly Walnuts. Um, 
I don't think there was a cause of death listed, but I think he was living in an assisted care facility. That was really uh, sad to hear. Yeah. So, who, but who knows what that was all about? But uh, uh, man, just a, a great, memorable guy who who delivered a, a, a you know later in life. It's just funny how that works out. Um, delivered a fantastic, unforgettable performance, and what's really considered one of the greatest television shows of all time. So uh, uh, rest in peace, Polly Walnuts. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think I'm being, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating his importance to the show when I say that, you know, first of all, it wasn't just the the jokes and it wasn't just the, you know, he actually, the stuff with his mom, uh, which there was a lot of uh, stuff with, with his, the, character playing his mother and then just his very complicated relationship uh with christopher multisanti uh kind of a mentor uh love hate mentor relationship with with chris and then of course his constant uh very loyal to tony soprano but uh that that relationship was also complicated as hell and for a guy who you know was coming to the show was by far no great accomplished thespian and with this huge filmography he just delivered nuance and brilliance on so many different levels no matter what they asked him to do and just like i i think it's safe to say that without kramer there's no seinfeld i think without Polly walnuts the sopranos is a vastly different show um and somebody and, else playing him it would be vastly different and somebody else playing it would be a vastly i don't even want to think about that but you know what kind of like kramer i can't see anybody other than michael richards uh playing kramer he is kramer you know tony sirico was Polly walnuts i mean there's just nobody else could nobody else could do that and i think that alone is just uh the the best tribute you could give the guy is that he he did something on screen that nobody else nobody else could do the way he did it. Um, so man, I, I was really, I, I say this every time we fill the boot. I don't, I don't get sad at celebrity deaths unless there's someone who I've spent a considerable amount of time in my living room or on the laptop or just, just, I've just, you know, I've probably seen all the Sopranos at least twice all the way through. And by far, nobody made me laugh as much. The comedy relief, provided by Polly Walnuts was invaluable. And I think Tut, you went back and watched the the Russian episode where he and Chris get lost in the Pine Barrens, yeah. Yeah, Pine Barrens. Still uh, one of my was, favorites. Was it oh, just this... was it just as good going back and rewatching it? It it was just as good going back and rewatching it. And I I was uh yeah, it's so weird. I didn't really think I don't I didn't even know how to put it into words and I still don't know why to put it into words. Why his passing kind of you know, gets me, but, uh, yeah, I, when I, when I read that he had passed away, I went back and watched Pine Barrens that night and yeah, the, the, the descent into insanity between him and Christopher <laughs> as they're fighting over Tic Tacs and ketchup, uh, ketchup packets. And then his interaction with Tony at the end, when, you know, he's, I, I don't I don't even know what he's searching for Tony in that scene, but it's obvious Tony doesn't give it to him and and Polly realizes it and just he does a cliched look away 
into the into the you know out out the window ending of the show. But when he did it, I was just like, God, man, that's that's so cool from a from comedy relief actor. This guy gave you so much depth. And I don't know if he could ever do anything else. I don't know if he was a, uh, an incredible actor or not, but I know on just this one occasion, his star shined almost as bright as, as, as uh, anybody's star that was in the movie or in the, in the series. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, well said, my friend. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, go to our YouTube page on our home screen. We have a little tutorial on how the Buddha Remembrance works. Um, whenever a celebrity, an actor, actress, musician, um, someone in pop culture passes away that uh, means something to us enough, we fill the boot of remembrance, which, uh, give me a second, I got to grab it. I forgot the boot of remembrance. It's been a while. It's been a while. Hold on. Didn't remember the boot of remembrance. That's that's TNCC right there. (laughs) Nothing says I, I, like, I forgot to remember the boot of remembrance. <laughs> I totally did. Um, so here's the boot of remembrance, and basically how this works, folks. I fill the boot of remembrance. Well, I, I somewhat fill the boot of remembrance, and then I chug the boot, uh, and that action releases Tony Sirico's soul from purgatory, and it allows him to drift up into the clouds where he can have a stogie and a scotch with James Gandolfini once again. It's going to be a beautiful reunion. Oh, stop it. You're making me sad. All made possible. Them sitting up in the clouds, sipping their espresso and smoking a stogie and giving each other a hug is only possible if I can chug the boot of remembrance. If I fail, if I can't chug it, Tony's not going north. He's, he's heading south. So let's, God, that's a lot of pressure. So I'm going to now fill uh, with usually traditionally I'll, I'll use a butt ice. Uh, I don't know why. I'm certainly Here's not. My gonna... response to that, Tut, to quote Polly Walnuts, hey, eh, your sister's ass. Yeah, hey, your sister's ass. <laughs> it's not like a real beer, Tut. <laughs> Polly, did you like ever think that nothing good was ever going to happen to you in your whole life? Yeah, and nothing did. All right, boys, I've filled uh, the boot of remembrance, and now I will chug it. Hey, uh, Doctor, you want to give me the Sopranos theme song to chug it to? Woke up this morning, got myself a butt ass, tugging it down, we did a good job there uh hey he's free he's finally free uh Tony Sirico, got Yeah, it just kind of choked me up thinking that he gets up to heaven, pulls out that big old shade and puts it under his chin, and Gandolfini is sitting right there looking at him like. Well, Todd, I I think that sunshade would be just incredibly unnecessary up by the sun. By the sun. That's not like high. a real sun. It's like the real sun. In yes. In front of me. 
Do you think they resume their fictional relationship where Tony's all, hey, Jimmy? He's a wait your turn. This is a play <laughs> line starts back there. <laughs> Jimmy, it's me. The pool for new guys is over there. Hey, we got free finger foods. Conserve. Conserve. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, man, we lost a good one. So uh, now that that's out of the way, boys. Uh, what do we do here every show, Yaks? What do we talk about? Well, we like to do three things. Okay. Like to find a premium, possibly delicious cigar. We don't know yet. We haven't started it. Number one, the cigar. Paired with a possibly delicious craft brew or liquor, if that is our. (laughs) Or Bud Ice. Or Bud Ice. I wasn't going to mention it, but, you know. <laughs> and then three, we like to review a gem of the silver screen. Yes. Or the well, or the VHS shelf at the Mom <laughs> Pop video store. It, either way, it all works. Uh, somehow we make it work, and somehow they all tie together. So uh, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and introduce tonight's cigar so we can light up. Because... What else do you want to do when it's 155 degrees outside? Smoke a dark-ass strong cigar. Mm. Tonight, we are smoking the Villiger TAA 2022 by Villiger Cigars. Uh, It is a 6x52 box-pressed Toro. I I had to look close to see if it was actually box-pressed or if I just sat on it and didn't realize it. But it actually is a box-press. I think it is. I think it is. It features uh, one of my favorites, a Mexican San Andres wrapper. Either that or your butt is tremendously (laughs) grooved. I didn't sit on all your cigars. Oh, oh, okay. Um, The uh, binder is Nicaraguan from Jalapa. And the filler is also Nicaraguan from Esteli, some Corojo, and some Jalapa Jalapa Corojo as well. This is starting to sound pretty delicious. Uh, Man, I'm getting some dried fruit and hickory on the... The wrapper smell, and then just pure sweetness on the foot. Maybe some sweet Oddly raisins. Oddly enough, I'm getting straight up manure on the foot. Straight up horse <laughs> and straight horse shit. Hey, did sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it smells. Oh. It, I have to agree with uh, Ted a little bit. There, it is a barnyard smell. Hey, would you say it's? Jesus. Would you say it's a sweet horse shit you're smelling? It is. <laughs> All right. It's got the uh, sweet cow chips. It's got the, the foot band. Uh, well, first of all, you know, I like this cigars uh, presentation with the black main band and the orange. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second and third secondary and third band because uh, black and orange is a winning color combination in my book. Uh, the logo down on the foot band is the logo for the tobacco associate tobacco. Tobacconists Association of America, the TAA. Hey, I just chugged a butt ice. Give me a break. Uh, basically, Villiger has contributed a limited edition cigar to the Tobacco Association of America's exclusive series for 2022 with a portion of the proceeds going to be- benefit this industry organization. This is the third year that Villiger has created a special blend specifically for the TAA, a group consisting of 80 retailers around the United States. Basically, uh, a lot of manufacturers will make a stick that is only sold in these shops that are members of the Tobacco Association of America. 
helps them get a little bit of money into the trade organization, support the shops. And uh, I, of course, chose this tonight because it's our big summertime episode and we're doing a TNA movie. So why not do a TNAA cigar? Huh? Huh? Or TAA. Yeah, that's, okay. even, that's even more. That's like tits and ass and ass. It's double, double the ass. It works. Yeah, I see it. I see it. It's, it's, it's beginning to click. Look, cover look, cover up the last A and it's the TNA cigar. It is. Look, guys, COVID changes a man. I, look, it, it took a lot for me just to be here tonight. Cut me some slack, okay? Oh boy. That's not the last we're gonna hear of that, I fear. I still can't feel I have no feeling in my left penis. <laughs> Oh, right. I'm the only guy with three penises. Apparently so. So now that we've introduced cigar, I'm gonna uh, as I cut and we uh, t- did you get some? Did you already uh, get some cold note? Uh, are you already lit up? Yeah. What'd you get on the cold draw? I didn't do it. It's more it just horse- went right it's, into it. Just- it's it's more sweet, savory horseshit. <laughs> Cold draw was very sweet. There actually, yaks, you with me? There's a lot of sweetness on that cold draw. Very much so. Yes. If Tud had done it, I think he would say sweet raisins. Indeed. Oh, I miss sweet raisins. You got too you got too anxious, pal. Too greedy. Got too greedy. Got too greedy. Well, as we uh. Light up here and see what the cigar's all about. As always, our resident beer expert, as he is the proprietor of O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. He knows more about beer than anybody else on the face of the fucking earth. Is that fair to say? I'll uh, I'll take it, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, He is going to introduce our beers. Uh, Just to refresh your memory. Back in the good old days, we would all congregate here in the Corno Hope. We'd all drink the same beer and see how it interacted with the cigar. Now that we're on our own, we tend to get four different beers, which actually benefits the show because you get to see how the cigar interacts with different beers. Uh, and we see kind of which one worked out best at the end of the night. And hopefully, as a listener or a viewer, you can then take that knowledge into your local haberdashery and uh, make some purchasing decisions to make sure that you have the perfect pairing with your cigar and your booze. So to introduce the, let's introduce the first beer, Yak Boy. Let's go with, let's go with you, pal. Let's go with you. What are you drinking? I am drinking the Keep the World Green Hazy IPA. Keep by the world. Sun Lab Brewing. The paramedics love him. Keep the World Green. Keep the world green. Okay. And then primarily because our movie takes place on the beach, under the sun, Sun Lab. Sun Lab Brewery. Okay. Okay. Uh, it is a double dry hopped hazy IPA. Citra, cashmere, Chinook, Zecca, all crammed into this tiny little can. Oh, man, that sounds delicious. Is it? It is delicious. Uh, also, a a a little uh, touch of blood orange in there to to sweeten it up. 
7%. Uh, that didn't have an IBU listed. I, it doesn't, it's not overly hoppy. It is a hazy. So the bitterness is typically dialed back. But where is a Sun Lab out of? They are located in Miami, Florida. Dude, I don't think we've ever had a Miami beer. We have not. I hadn't seen anything. We've never done anything from this particular brewery. They are very new, though. I mean, just a few years old. So, Man, out of all the major U.S. cities, you don't hear Miami and beer. Uh, you got Tampa has, has some uh, notable... Notable Brewery, Cigar City, and uh, that stuff. But, man, uh, so you like it? I do. Okay. It's a lot of different hops going on there, pal. I'm jealous. Uh, well, I guess I might as, we might as well talk then about what yours truly is drinking. Uh, yes. Taking you back to 1985. 1985 IPA Voodoo Ranger, the Voodoo Ranger line from New Belgium Brewing, the makers of the wonderful Fat Tire Amber Ale. Uh, we've had numerous uh, Voodoo Rangers from uh, IPAs from that series. Uh, the the Paradise uh, back on episode 92. Uh, we had the American Haze back on the one uh, episode 131. Uh, this one, the 85, is a mango uh, IPA uh, infused. It's uh, 6.7% 30 IBUs. It's actually, I was a little scared of the mango, uh, mainly because I didn't really see that it was a mango beer until after I bought it. Um, but it, 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 there's a lot of mango going on, but it's actually bringing out some sweetness in the cigar. It, it's not clashing at all. Um, because right now to, for me, the cigar is very black pepper forward on the, on the mm. retro. On the retro. Yeah. And uh, it's got some hickory and some woodsy notes uh, going through on the draw. So that mango is really kind of bringing some, some sweetness and some other stuff out. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go with a kind of an overly aggressive high IBU um IPA, it's good. I, I I've actually liked most. God, they have so many of these uh, Voodoo Rangers now. There's like a dozen of them, and yeah. uh, I tend to like I tend to like them. Um, They've done a really good job. I mean, you know, it's one of those when they first did their their first one, it was just a, it was a it was a, a plain Jane IPA, but they've taken that line and really used it to experiment. Yeah, um, I will say so. Obviously, Yaks, the Sun Lab, the Miami, the Miami Brewery. It pairs well with our summertime movie. Uh, so that my beer selection makes sense, let me justify it. Our movie tonight is Hot Moves, 1984's Hot Moves. I'm what? drinking. I'm drinking the 1985 IPA. But while Hot Moves may have may have <clears throat> excuse me, while it came out in 1984, it wasn't until 1985 after it had received some acclaim that it was nominated for a much deserved Peabody award where it unfairly lost out to the television special, the hollow victory Vietnam under communism hosted by that lame ass nerd, Ted Koppel. Fuck that guy. Uh, so, so it actually, it does all tie together. If you don't think about it too much, let's move on. 
Uh, what's Tud drinking, Yax? <laughs> doctor, uh, you've had, doctor, you've had a lot of issues with Ted Koppel over the years. I haven't had any issues with him at all, actually. That hair of his? All right, maybe I have some issues with the hair. What's the doctor drinking? Uh, yeah, the, the doctor, he's, uh, he's drinking a beer because that last example made no sense. Uh, the Swifty APA, American Pale Ale. An APA? An APA. What? 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 Uh, this, uh, it is made by our good friends, Real Ale Brewing Company, of course. Real Ale, well known for the Hans Pills, one of our favorites, as well as we've done Devil's Backbone, Fireman's Four. But we, we, we all love the Hans Pills. I'm not, not going to dwell too much. Uh, they are, of course, located in Blanco, Texas, right down the road south of Austin, brewing up tasty beers. I was going to ask August. you, I was going to ask you where Blanco, Texas was. And then you were like, right down the road from us. <laughs> you drive through it once a week. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, so uh, an American pale ale. Not, so is that, does that change the way they approach their hops? Uh, not really. Typically, uh, the American style was usually because they added more hops. Yeah, we like more of everything. Uh, they usually gave that classification for the, the, the IPAs that were, or pillows that were coming out of the West Coast because they just went hop crazy. We cannot. Past 100. We can't call this an IPA anymore. We got an APA, America. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 makes, it makes sense, I guess. I've never heard of the Swifty. Uh, it, it is fairly new. Uh, it's 5.2%. Uh, it says it's only 40 IBUs, which is why I was like, typically the American style is toppy. You get any bitterness, Doctor? Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned all this. I thought it was, I thought it's a little less hoppy than, uh, a regular, than most of the run of the mill IPAs. Um, I had never obviously mentioned real ale. I had never seen this can before. So it kind of stuck out. Um, but yeah, it didn't seem overly hoppy. It's, it's tasty. I feel like I've said this a lot in the past, but, um, Pair well with food. It, it's it feels like a good summertime beer. Oh, okay. Uh, good, good, good golf course beer. Oh yes, I could see that. I could I could see you having it, having it with food, but it's a it's a similar to the Hans Pills almost. I, I don't know what makes something an American pale ale, um, but uh, yeah, I, I like it. I could see I could see down in these. Uh, I think if we were all outside, we would down Coors Light pretty quickly on, on, at this time of year, but uh, it, it just seems like a good summer beer to it. Okay. What is your pairing strategy here, Doctor? I'd like to say that there was a pairing strategy. Pairing strategy. He's hoping that we can. He's hoping we can get through this podcast swiftly. He's the only one inside with some air conditioning. <laughs> Uh, well, it says there's always time for a Swifty, uh, and it seemed like the characters in our story were were kind of 
there was always time for a, a quickie. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not going to do what Cade did. It was on the shelf and I'd never had it before. So I thought I'll give it a shot. Just blame Ted Koppel. <laughs> that asshole. And finally, the man who always brings a lot of thought and passion to his beer pairings. Yax, tell us uh, what Hunt is drinking tonight. I know he didn't just go with a refreshing summer beer. With that's as far as he went with it. I know, I know he's putting a special spin on it. What is what is he drinking, Yak Boy? He is drinking the Pacifico Clara Lager. 4.5%, 15 IBUs. One of the finest beers by Grupo Modelo. Is your thought here, Tut, that tonight's movie took place along the Pacific Ocean? That is correct. Okay. Correct. Venice Beach. Venice Beach, baby. And, and there's a pretty hot Latina chick in this movie. Uh, the newspaper scene. Ah, yeah, Dude, we'll get her, to that. You know, she was hot, all right. <laughs> uh, okay, N- enough about that. Uh, okay, uh, I could see uh, we've all had. Obviously, uh, we we eat a lot of Mexican food here in Texas. A lot of Tex-Mex. They always got ice cold Pacifico uh, ready to ready to go. Uh, I could see that. Pairing actually very well with tonight's cigar, a good Mexican lager. Uh, it is. I think it's actually taking it a little dark. Uh, like my your woodsy is my uh, dirt and earth. Uh, I don't have any citrus or fruit bringing out a sweetness to it, but the uh, the lager is actually kind of dirtying it up a little bit. So. I think it's kind of accenting the the uh, the dirt and the earth from from Nicaragua. There's a little bit of a leather that I'm getting, uh, not a bright leather, not you know not a uh, you know not a bright leather to it, but just kind of dirty, oily leather. Uh, this is a really good expression of a Mexican San Andres wrapper uh, to me. Uh, it's got that classic uh, Mexican wrapper spice. That, yeah. black pe- that black pepper is unrelenting on the on the retro hail, and I'm really enjoying that. And the Nicaraguan fillers are bringing uh, to me. Again, I'm getting a lot of uh, some of the inherent sweetness brought out through my mango beer, but uh, yeah, I am getting a lot of earthiness. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the the jalapa is also supposed to be, you know, one of its profiles is that it's a sweeter sweeter tasting tobacco. So you're definitely accenting it off of that mango, uh, which is I'm surprised that the the Pacifico is dirtying that uh, jalapa sweetness up as much as it is. It's I actually really enjoying the cigar, uh, considering how fucking hot it is. It's it's strong, full body, uh, damn near full strength, but it's it's approachable, and it, it actually is kind of reminding me of one of my favorite Mexican San Andres wrap cigars, the Norteño. Um, it's a little more bold. It's a little more aggressive than the Norteño to me. Um, yeah, I don't find the Norteño super aggressive. Oh, wow. I think that I usually find that the Norteño is not not necessarily aggressive, but I think of it more as a, a bolder flavor 
presentation. I think this is, well, I think it's in the wheelhouse. I do think that you're right, uh, that it's it's getting the, some of the similar notes. I don't, well, I'll tell you what, I bought a uh, Norteño and I will smoke it tomorrow and see, see what that is. I, I, I'm uh, enjoying the power and the, the core flavors of the cigar. Um, and again, uh, my beer is really helping it uh, add a dimension of, of sweetness to go with the earthiness. And the, the, again, the, that hickory is there and the, the black pepper is consistent. Uh, is all this sounding copacetic to you, Yax? It is. I was going to say, yeah, I, in terms of Norteño, which, I mean, I, I love it. The This one is kind of, I have to agree with Tut. I mean, it's very flavorful, but, you know, I don't. You agree. You agree. It runs in parallel, but it's not you're, quite the same. You're agreeing with Tut a lot tonight, Yax. Yeah, I don't care for that. <laughs> throw that out it's there. the beer. It's the beer. It's it's the great beard. It makes it's the beard. Me, yeah. it, 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 it it's exactly. It makes Rouge me have a, a je ne sais quoi. There's a there's a stature to my statements now. I feel like I feel like, I feel like he's just gonna get up and head off to Key West and leave us all behind. Ooh, that's nice. See, I I feel like Touch should be like letting me borrow power tools over my fence. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Both work. It's got the it's it's like an edgy Bob Villa kind of vibe. Oh going. man, when the when the weather cools down and school starts and I break out my uh, jacket with the elbow patches and hit campus, oh, people are gonna be coming up to me for advice left and right. I'll be like Kramer holding a students' conference section over there, like we went to <laughs> right. actor studio in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, you know who can't grow a good beard? Ted Koppel. Oh, that SOB. He grows a beard with that hair. He looks like a fucking Ewok. Who was the N- NBC dude that I couldn't stand? Bob Costas. No, not Bob Costas. I liked me some Bob Costas. Tom Brokaw? Tom Brokaw. Oh, he's a he's an American treasure who's Canadian. Uh, oh, wait, come he, on. Yeah, I think he's dead. Oh, actually, I, actually it, it wasn't Tom Brokaw that upset me the most. Sam Donaldson, you sick some bitch. Did it? Weren't he and Leonard Nimoy lovers, or did I get that wrong? No, it's totally lovers. That's a rumor spread by the George Lucas and the Star Wars crowd. Mm. Unconfirmed rumors. I, I didn't mind Sam Donaldson. He had some swagger to him, unlike Ted Koppel. He had some balls. Uh. Anyway, uh, speaking of cigars, you know who makes some damn fine ones, Todd? Oh, let's see. I I was just looking at their entire lineup in uh, one of the local Austin tobacco shops, and that's going to be Drew Estate. Damn skippy, it's Drew Estate. And they have a stick out right now that y'all definitely will want to get your hands on. Introduced during Freestyle Live Special Edition, 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate is a complex and medium-bodied cigar with super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. Well, that's Hemingway-esque, isn't it, that description? Uh, 20 Acre Farm is built using a velvety Ecuadorian Connecticut shade-grown wrapper, a sun-grown Habano binder, 
and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa blended with the opulent. Is that right? Indeed. O- opulent. No, I think I was right, Ted. I think it's opulent. Uh, and, ma- and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf, which is humbly and lovingly grown one harvest at a time by Jeff Borshowitz on a pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. We've all been there. Been to the farm. We've been there. That's right. Hey. Yeah. Doctor, you wrote a very good uh, expose on your travels to Claremont, Florida, for the Drew Estate Florida Barn Smoke. You can go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com and search for it. And uh, you did a really good write-up of that. Some Took some really good photos of uh, Jeff's Thank farm you. down there. Thank you, Tom. So uh, definitely go and check that out, folks. Um, all right. Well, we've introduced Cigar. Uh, we have a little differing opinions on it. Uh, we've got four very different beers, which is okay. That only leaves one thing, boys. The film. And boy, did I shovel my way through a lot of shit to get to tonight's film. 1984's Hot Moves. Uh, I knew I wanted, this is going to be our one big summertime episode. I knew I wanted to do a gangbuster TNA classic that nobody had heard of, that none of us had seen. Turns out there's a lot of those 80s TNA movies that we've never seen. And for good reason, there's just a lot of shit out there. Uh, (laughs) Much like the horse shit we smelled off the foot of the Villiger TAA 2022 cigar. Uh, But man, when I finally watched, stumbled across through my diligent research, Hot Moves, I knew this was the film for tonight. It was the runner-up for the Peabody Award. I mean, how can it not be? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Todd. Should have won that thing. Um, is that award named after that nerd who hung out with uh, the do- talking dog from yes. Bullwinkle? And, uh, yeah. Okay. I thought so. Just double checking. Uh, unlike Ted Koppel, I fact check before shit comes out of my mouth. Um, and, and actually, Hot Moves was nominated for a Peabody Award. Uh, that's That's what I said. That's what I heard. That's what I said, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I, since we've been talking, I fact-checked. Sam Donaldson and Ted Koppel were, er, and Leonard Nimoy were not lovers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, did, so, I, I knew that was a rumor. Unlike, I, I, know, it was allegedly. I, I know it's not couth these days to admit when you're wrong, but just throwing that out there. I was, I was wrong. Uh, it is written by Larry Anderson and a guy named Peter Foldy and directed by Jim Sotos. Uh, now, this classic came out in 1984 which is one year after the release of the two Porky's flicks, the fantastic spring break, hot dog, the movie and screwballs. Ugh. Man, 1983 was a killer year to be a young horn dog. Whose parents had HBO, <laughs> but then the calendar year flipped to 1984 and we got up the Creek bachelor party, revenge of the nerds, Hot moves and hard fucking hard bodies. Ah, oh, hard bodies. Dude, it's good time. Did you mention in 1983 Private School, which is the only was, movie that someone else from Hot Moves was ever in? No, I did not mention Private School, which actually I have seen. And I like that movie a lot too. Um, that 83 84 run of TNA Flix is incredible. It's never been surpassed. Uh, I may have only been an elementary school kid at the time, 
But I knew something special was taking place in the world of TNA cinema. I could feel it in my rapidly developing balls. I just knew it. I knew it. Uh, it's worth mentioning that one year later in 1985, we also got both movies Hot Resort and Hot Chili, which I almost chose to feature tonight. Hot Chili takes place down in Mexico. I was like, oh, Mexican rapper, Hot Chili. And Hot Chili was a lot of fun, but there will be other TNCC summer fiestas, hopefully, and we'll, we'll get to Hot Chili eventually. Tonight is all about the hot moves, boys. Uh, you guys ready to start? You ready to do this? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me get my suntan on, get all oiled up, break out my roller skates. Let's do this. Let's do this. As we listen to a rockin' theme song over the opening credits, we slowly zoom in on the exterior of a high school where we overhear a guidance counselor quizzing her students on what their summer plans are. While some teens are planning to work and save money over the break, and others have travel plans overseas with their parents, when she asks Barry what he's got going on. His answer is awesome to say the least. Well, Miss Harrison, he says, my friends and I have decided to do something which will really enhance our personal growth and self-awareness this summer. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Barry, Mrs. Harrison responds. And just what will that be? We're going to get laid. Cue the guitar. Cue the guitar. Hot moves moving away. We've got the hot moves. We're going down. We've got the hot moves now. The final school bell rings, everyone races out of the building, and we are off. Doctor, can I get the hot move song one more time? We've got the hot moves, we're going down. We've got the hot moves now. I didn't think you could beat Loose Screws theme song from our 100th episode, the last time I wore my tuxedo t-shirt. The hot move soundtrack kicks Loose Screws soundtrack's ass. I don't know why you're that. I mean, we've got the hot moves. We're going down. We've got the hot moves now. Next up is a fast-paced rock and Venice Beach montage. Mm. We've got, follow me on this, boys, frisbee tossing, beach ball juggling. That's not a euphemism. Roller skating. Well, it is an <laughs> Bikini contests. Break dancing. Sandy Beach bodybuilding. Random chicks bending over in string bikinis, touching their toes repeatedly for some reason. We've got the hot moves now. Oh, my God. It's, a, it's, a, it's sensory overload, this montage. They really rely a lot on the 1984 Venice Beach scenery for, for <laughs> background stuff, but it does kind of capture the whole mood of the piece. There's dudes pulling up wheelies on motorcycles, hot babes on jet skis, hot babes jumping up and down on trampolines, punk rockers, skateboarders, roller skaters jumping over bikini chicks on motorcycles, guys aggressively tackling girls into the ocean. One completely, do you see this out of place buffalo butt shot? Did you, did you see that in the other <laughs> game? It's just a big ass out of nowhere. Uh, this montage has literally has it all. At one point, I did start to wonder, because it's not the only Venice Beach montage sort of scenery. We come back to that. At one point, I was like, okay, we get it. There's some very talented breakdancers here. We get that. (laughs) But here's the thing. They actually did some tracking shots, like following chicks' butts roller skating at real fast speeds. Like, 
it was a high energy just way to I love the way it kicked off this flick. It was just all right, you guys got the hot moves. Show me you got the hot moves. All right, you got the hot moves. I get it. I am never, never going to be upset at a roller skating montage along Venice Beach. I just, I just won't. I refuse to. But no it wasn't how lazy. Many times it I wasn't lazy. No it, was, it was fluid. It flowed. It cut together really well. It was just nonstop tits, ass, uh, jet skis. Ass uh, and titties. Ass, ass, and titties. There's even ass like a <laughs> There's even like a mime in there doing stuff. They 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 fit on it all. Am I right, Yax? This might be well, the best montage we've ever seen. It rates right up there, easily top five. Easily. I mean, it's, it's Venice Beach. Venice Beach has it all, so you better have all in your montage. Well, back then it sure did. Um, and soaking in all of Wait, this. Sidebar, does Venice, is Venice Beach even near like this now? No, un- unfortunately right now, and I, I was going to get to that later, it's mainly uh, just drug addicts and homeless encampments. It's like a really dangerous Oh, that is a shame, man. I thought I I read somewhere where it had become that, but then they then they cleaned it up. I I think it's still thanks to liberal policymakers and those ladies on the view. It's gone to hell. It's gone Uh, straight to hell. I I thought I read somewhere. I think it's not nearly that bad. Thanks, AOC. It had gone to hell, but then they'd kind of. there was a larger police presence and <clears throat> yeah, I, I think like San Francisco, they've tried, but it's, it's an uphill battle at this point. It, it got, well, they, need to clean, they need to clean that up and bring back the TNA. Bring back uh, the TNA to VB. Well, soaking in like it was in the eighties, unfortunately. No, no. And I'm sure nobody's sadder about that than our boy Arnold. He, that was his stomping grounds when he came to America. Yeah. Venice beach gold's gym was his home away from home. Um, Actually, it was his home. I think he'd lived there when he first moved here. He showed up with a duffel bag and lived at the gym. Uh, but yeah, uh, soaking in all of the speech set and sanity are our four heroes. Hey, four of them, there's four of us. Yeah. Kismet. The aforementioned somewhat chunky Barry. The ever horny and frustrated Michael, whose older brother Cliff is always strutting around the sand with a hot babe. Today he comes by, he's like, yeah, we're on our way down to the nude beach. Yeah, it's really organic, no tan lines. He, he had his shit together. Uh, oh, and there's also two other friends, Joey and Scotty. Joey's got a real baby face. He looks like he's about 12. And uh, Scotty's just the, they needed four dudes, so they just grabbed a blonde-haired guy. And All right, you're in the movie. Hope that no one noticed that he was brain dead. Uh, it is hot news. Big Brother's uh, date, Cliff's date, purposely drops her ice cream cone on uh, little brother Michael's crotch and then gently scoops it up, which does not go unnoticed by his virginal girlfriend, Julianne, who's watching disappointedly from her beach towel across the way. Michael hides his heart on and struts over to the prudish Julianne to try and smooth things over. Horribly, I might add. She's been dodging his phone calls because he's made it very clear that all he and his buddies want from girls is sex, and she's not ready for that. He informs her that they've been going out for six months, and it's only natural for two people in love to show their affection for one another physically now and then. He goes on to lecture Julianne that they're going to be seniors next year. And listen, there are countries where 12-year-olds are already married with kids by now. 
She tells Michael, okay, we'll move overseas then and drop me a line. Let me know how you and your 12-year-old wife are making out. Ouch. By the way, I should uh, point out, because the four guys is the only one that I ever saw in anything else, but Barry uh, was played by an actor named Michael Zorek, who uh, was, I thought, I thought very enjoyable in Hot Boobs and also very enjoyable as a Matthew Modine sidekick in private school. He was, he was. And I, I was a little surprised. Uh, I thought, I, yeah, I thought he had done some other stuff. He, he really, he, the career really didn't really kind of didn't pan out. I saw on his IMDb that he was in some 80s TV shows that we, uh, he was in like a few episodes of like Facts of Life and Back to the Future and uh, not Back to the Future, Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. Uh, but as far as just movies, I, I recognized him from private school and saw him in this, and I thought he was really good and really funny in both of those. I was kind of shocked that he didn't have more of a more of kind of a career. Uh, he he is really good. I mean, it's it's kind of a he plays a very specific type very well. Um, going back to Michael Julianne, young young love can be complicated, can it? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Julianne, by the way, speaking of who's playing who, uh, is played by the very cute, raspy-voiced Jill Sholin, uh, who, it's worth mentioning, will get totally naked three years later in the 1987 horror movie classic The Stepfather. Um, I Go watch that. You will not be disappointed. Uh, Doctor, did you mention the cute her cute friend sitting next to her on the beach? Wendy? Uh, I didn't recognize her. I recognized Jill Sholin, obviously, but not. Yeah, she was also in a, one of Brad Pitt's first movies, Cutting Class. Right. She was uh, actually, uh, depending on where you read, either dated Brad Pitt or was briefly engaged to him when he was a no-name. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, her friend Wendy is played by an actress named Carrie Noonan, who got hacked to pieces while working as a camp counselor in Friday the 13th part six, Jason lives. She was the one doctor who, uh, you know, comforted the little girl and then Jason painted the cabin with her uh, blood. Oh, a redheaded chick, right? Uh, Reddit soft strawberry. Blonde. Okay. No, I, I, good call. I did not, I did not recognize her. Yeah, It was killing me who she was. And then, uh, it, it clicked. Okay. All right. Well, the gang then once Michael's done, uh, berating, uh, his girlfriend for not sleeping with him, they stroll along the strip some more, and when they encounter Scotty's little brother, James, who looks like he's maybe 13, on his way to his girlfriend's house to knock them boots, it's clear that they all need to step it up a notch if they're going to get their whistles wet. These guys are so horny, am I right? They seem insane. It was 1984. They were teenagers. I know, but my, I don't know if we've encountered a foursome this horny before. <laughs> Doctor, with... The increasing frequency of these guys popping boners, which they always alert the other guys to for some reason. I got a heart on. Oh man, I got a boner. If they in fact, if they in fact do not get their whistles wet soon, are there any negative health ramifications that could result? I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. And we're not even ten minutes. We're not even 10 minutes in. That's a good call. My God, they're so horny. I mean, they're just the horniness is just... 
unbelievable amount of horniness. It's going to make their eyeballs pop out. The horniness is in their, their veins. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this, Doctor. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, we skip ahead three on fire with horniness. <laughs> Their loins, did you say? Yes, those two. Every fiber of their being. Every fiber of their being. Okay, which includes which includes their loins, of course. Their loins. Well, we skip ahead now three weeks and to summer vacation, and these still horny and still virgin boys are parked in Michael's convertible at night along the strip watching other couples make out in their convertibles. Uh, there's a great song there. We're talking about oh. girls, girls, American girls. Um, they feel a little better when they see a dorky four-eyed nerd sitting alone in his car. They point and laugh at him, us style. That putz won't get laid until he's 50, they laugh. <laughs> but a second later, a smoking hot blonde babe rises up from the putz's lap, wiping her lips immediately taking the wind out of their sails. American girls. Uh, so the gang heads over to the local bowling alley where they decide to make a pact. They'll help each other out through teamwork to all get laid by the time school starts back up in September, no matter what. Take no prisoners. Take no shit. We're getting laid. Yeah, Boom. so the script writers need to, like, Get in touch with those American Pie copycats. Yeah. Like, give me a give me our script back. Yeah. Boom. Well, it's clear that the American Pie people were looking when they were trying to come up with, you know, they had their idea. We're going to write a, a a quintessential teen com sex comedy for the new generation, update mm-hmm. stuff from the eighties. They obviously somebody found obscure copy of Hot Move somewhere because. While the, thematically, so many of these movies are similar, that was that was kind of the thing with American Pie, as where the four dudes are gonna help each other. Because like you go back to Porky's, they 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 fuck with each other in Porky's, man. I mean that whole thing is like they're buddies, but it's like they're they're, they're man for themselves. <laughs> so and I always said, and I said I loved American Pie when it came out. I saw it three or four times at the movie theater, and I was like, man, this is the first. 80s TNA movie that they've that's been in a theater in over a decade like you know they 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 did it justice they 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 brought it back but where I went with you know this is kind of like a modern day porkies you're right no it's a modern day hot moves uh big time well even that was my first thought once I got into this I was like this literally is like other than just I mean they literally the characters almost match I mean, well, that was. Well, I said so, almost. Sort of. We'll, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, well, needless to say, boom! Ten minutes into the movie, and we got our plot. These guys are making a pact to get laid over the summer. You have your motivation. Here we go. I like it. I, I was like, I, I'm on board. Let's do it. Uh, and after that Bring opening, on the mon- girls. after that montage, I'm like, I'm, I'm on board for wherever this thing does. Fueled by their new, oh yeah, food. do you know that one of the I was one of the greatest scenes in that montage was the fringe bikini, the high waisted fringe bikini. You've mentioned on the show before your love uh, of the fringe bikini. Wow. Uh, right, continue, she, please, sir. She had the hot moves. She had the hot moves now. Uh, well, fueled by their new four musketeer energy, when a waitress at the bowling alley wearing a bright red miniskirt comes over and asks if they want anything else. 
Barry says, yeah, I want something else. One waitress, no dressing. And get this, she laughs. She thinks it's cute. And she gives the lunkhead her phone number and tells him to call her on Friday night. Things are already looking up. Barry's, Barry's got, got the hot moves. Barry's got, Barry's the, hot got moves. the hot moves. He's going down. He's got the hot moves now. Guys, I'm starting Go to think. Barry, that, man. I'm starting to think that maybe I didn't have COVID. I may have had the hot moves. <laughs> hey, so did that remind you of all those times at the uh, Temple Bowling Alley when uh, some 23-year-old hot bowling alley uh, snack bar waitress would come over and pick us up when we were 18 years old? Or did I just did that not actually happen? That that never happened. No. Okay. Yeah, I didn't uh, see. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying, say, just, I'm I'm saying just what never happened. What never happened was there being a hot waitress <laughs> at the Temple Texas Bowling Alley in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just thinking about the uh, all the hot waitresses in Deep East Texas bowling alleys. And, <laughs> yeah. How are you boys doing? Yeah, there's nothing like getting a nothing like getting a three inch cigarette ash on top of your hot dog. That's not a euphemism. I'm talking about the hot dog eat, damn it. But hey, Venice Beach in the 80s, wannabe actress, Ooh. only job she could get, snack bar waitress at the bowling alley. You know, it it it, uh, it holds water in a way that it didn't for anyone else. And I should mention, I've got a pantry full of COVID tests that the government sent me. Old Grandpa Joe Biden didn't send me one at-home hot moves test. What's that tell you? Guy's out of touch, man. Guy's out of touch. He doesn't know what the fuck. He hasn't had the hot moves in decades. His son's got some hot moves. His son of his has a lot of hot moves. The next day, Michael drives over to Julianne's house, you know, to smooth things over. She seems genuinely happy to see him, which is odd considering their last conversation on the beach and the fact that he's kind of a dickhead. She tells him that despite them seeing the world differently, she'd like him to come to her come with her to her aunt and uncle's pool party Friday night. Michael says he'd love to, but frankly, he doesn't think he can handle another date with her where he ends up going home sexually frustrated. She shakes her head. She's the one who's frustrated by his constant desire for sex. It's all that matters to him and his friends. Michael says, no, you know what, Julian, it's not all that matters, but it does matter. And then he bolts. Michael is being true and honest, and I love it. At least he's sticking to his guns. And he's being upfront about it. He's not being slick or greasy no, he's, about he's not it. Being slick. He's not trying to, you know, uh, become a ghost and inhabit somebody's body so he can, you know, mm. basically, no. you know, have his way with her. No. He's, he's brutally on he's brutally honest for a seventeen year old kid. I uh, think he's admitting failure though, before at least you figure, hey, I'm gonna be in the pool with her, she's gonna be in her bikini, who knows how things are gonna go down afterwards. No, but he's honest. He's, he's like he's like he's like, hey, he's like, my boner can't take it. Yeah, it, it can't. I can't I can't handle it. It's self preservation. I mean which, you see this like all the time is, in the natural world. Which Tud said, I guess, is refreshingly honest, but it still comes it across it still comes it across is. like a like a dickhead. Well, you like, know, sometimes the truth hurts. Uh, well, huh. Friday night partying with the boys in pursuit of Poontang or hanging out at Julianne's aunt and uncle's house. I get it. I, I get I get why he got the hell out of there. I, just, I don't understand why he did it. <laughs> oh, I do. I completely understand why he did it. I completely understand why he's not going to that fucking pool party. Uh, speaking of Friday night, 
Barry has borrowed Michael's convertible for his big date with the bowling alley waitress. And they've just pulled up to her apartment when she invites him upstairs. You know what that means. The big oaf asks her why she chose him of all the guys. And she smiles when she says he reminds her of her big old teddy bear. And just then a song starts playing on the soundtrack with lyrics about a guy reminding a girl of her big old teddy bear. This soundtrack really takes into consideration the scenes. I love it. Uh, it's a nice touch. Looks just oh. like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't a lyric, was it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Not a show. Also, as the waitress goes into the bathroom to slip into something more comfortable, Barry, get it now? Barry? Teddy Barry? Gotcha. Gotcha. I think notice so. that's some uh that's some mammoth level screenwriting there tying tying yeah, that shit together. Onions, onions. I don't think he, it was meant to be. He looks around and he notices that her bedroom has over a thousand teddy bears in it. She's an adult. Uh-huh. Nothing strange about that. Well, if you're married to a 12-year-old in a foreign country, maybe not. I would be I would be frightened by any like any sort of theme in the design of the woman's bedroom that that seemed to go too far. Uh, I'm a grown ass man. I have stuff Garfield's, you know, in my room, my office. It's it's no big deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna be very alarmed if I end up in your bedroom or your office with a. Oh, you should uh, be. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair you enough. have the walls. Nancy likes guys who remind him of Teddy Bears. Doctor's got the hot moves. The hot moves now. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be a little worried, like regardless <laughs> of what the theme was, if I was in a. Uh, yeah, and and. and I see the looks Tuts give me. That would be the last time I mentioned the 12-year-old child brides. Every time every time it's come up, Tuts give me the little... Wait, what? What are you talking about? No, you know, just a disapproving... It was, probably, it, was, it was something that was said in the movie. I'm not, but I it, know, it was, part of, it was part of the movie. He yeah. said in the movie, you're free reign to say it in the movie. Every time I mention the child brides, Tut gives me that look like he's looking at Jeff Epstein. At the mini putt putt golf course, huh? It's like, hey, Jeff, babe. Is that a, is that allowed? Can I laugh at that? Stay six feet away from the snow cone stand, babe. Huh? Uh, I'm so conflicted. I want to laugh at the Miller impersonation, but can I laugh at that? Uh, I think so. I think so. Well, it doesn't matter. We're canceled now because I. Oh. I, <laughs> That's right. You and your refusal will have a green striped flag. Oh. Too soon. Too soon. Was that 30 minutes ago? (laughs) So Barry puts the car keys under the doormat for the boys to pick up, seeing as how it looks like he's going to be spending the night. And then he lights a bunch of candles to set the mood. After a sweet ass spiral wipe dissolve transition, I had never seen that before. Like the screen does this spiral thing, and it always makes this fairy dust little sound. Like, we cut to the waitress's sweet ass on top of Barry on the bed while the guys peep in the bedroom window to make sure that their husky friend actually completes his task at hand without the use of his hand for once. 
uh, yeah, they're they're like, what if Barry's just saying he's getting laid? We need to check it out. So they're watching this chick grinding on top of him. I can't think of anything worse in my deepest, darkest nightmares than watching one of you three with a chick in bed. No offense. Uh, back when you're 18, now I'm going to have to no. disagree with you. When you. I'm 18, yeah. I don't want to see any of you guys doing anything with any chicks. Nah, nah. Back when you're 18, you're at a, a ski lodge, and one of one of your friends happens to you know bring home a certain someone to the hot tub, and you just want to support your friends, man. This you sounds oddly specific. That sounds oddly specific. I think. And I, I think it's a real dick thing to do because I would not if like it, trying to put my brain back into my high school self, which is kind of impossible at this point. But it, I would think like if a buddy of mine uh, was trying to was trying to score, uh, even if we hadn't made a pack to support one another, which they've done. I was never in any. I didn't have the skills for it. So, but I was never a cock blocker or anything like that. I would have wanted to. Not, they weren't. Co- they weren't cock blocking though. But but by here's the thing. They, they were Ted. They were they were like journalists. They're like Ted Koppel peeking in the window. They want to make sure. That's right. Yeah, but I mean, in this instance, they're that. not cock blocking. They're cock watching, and it's just kind of <laughs> weird. It's yeah. a lot weird. Come on. Imagine, even at 18, imagine that you're finally getting it on with a bowling alley waitress and you look up and there's me in the window. No, that's I mean, what, what are you supposed like, to be like? You know, supposed to look over and be like, give the thumbs up, like, yeah, dude, I'm doing it. No, that's where I was going with this. It's just your seventh reference. I, I totally would. Me off. So I, I just, I was saying that if I, if, if my buddy of mine was going into the hot tub or taking his chicken to the room, I would think I don't want to screw that up for him. And if I was peeking in the window or whatever, that could screw it up for him. I would be like, well, steer clear. Let him have his moment. Well, Barry is a bit of a klutz in the sack. Imagine that. So much so that he kicks over one of the candles he lit and lights the curtains on fire. His buddies race in with a water hose, fire department, and spray the hell out of the curtains and the two lovers well before Barry can insert his inexperienced tip into the waitress's moist, well-worn tip jar. That's a Sam Donaldson shit I just dropped on your ass. Write some Harlequin romance novels. <laughs> her her moist, well worn tip jar. Uh, need- Naked gun, uh, two and a half. It's Needless to say, purple headed warrior into her <laughs> quivering mound of love pudding. Needless to say, the waitress isn't amused, kicks Barry the hell out of there, and the night is officially over. Real quick, um, sorry, things didn't work out well for Barry, um, or the bowling alley waitress for that matter. Uh, I'm guessing she doesn't have renter's insurance, just a guess. Um, Anything new on the cigar? Man, that pepper does not let up. No, No, it's pretty... it's pretty much the same stuff that it's been giving me the entire time. And I, it, I thought the orange band, uh, the TA exclusive was a secondary band. It's actually, this is one big ass band on that thing. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm, I stand corrected. Uh, boy, yeah, the spice is nice. And, you know, the hickory and the earth are very consistent. I'm, I've actually gotten kind of a coffee around the midway point. Uh, kind of a uh, surprisingly like a, a lighter roast 
uh, kind of a, a bitter coffee component. And I'm still getting some tobacco sweetness that I'm totally convinced is from my mango beer. I, I doubt yeah. you. I doubt you guys well, are. You know, I was kind of wondering about it, that because I mean, I've got a lot of hop thing, and, I, and towards the midpoint, I'm like, I had hit like the thing where it was almost chocolatey, but I was thinking my sweetness in my beer was like hitting something over here. So I was like, I don't know if it's actually well, chocolatey well, in the cigar, chocolatey sweetness in the cigar. Well, the jalapa is a, a, a usually sweet tobacco. It usually runs on the sweet side, so that's probably what's, what you're hitting, is that it's hitting that jalapa and accenting it for both of y'all's beer just in different ways. That chocolate's probably coming out because you're mixing the sweetness with the Nicaraguan earth and that San Andreas coming off of it. I think any cigar, though, that's given us this consistent of a spice and that full-bodied, uh, woodsy, earthy, now with some coffee, uh, yeah. experiencing some chocolate, whether it's beer or not. Um, hey, man, what do we always say? Don't yeah. give us a don't give us a boring cigar. This thing's not boring. And you're absolutely right. Where a lot of cigars will drop that pepper off on that retro hill and kind of tame it down. This is just letting it run free. I agree. Um, and construction has been phenomenal. Uh, I just barely clipped the cap. Uh, when I lit it, I, I've had a perfect draw throughout. I've had to touch it up a little bit just because I'm yapping my jaws uh, way too much and not paying it the attention it deserves. But uh, man, it's it's burning great, relatively straight burn line and a smooth draw. I'm uh, man, Villager is very hit or miss with me. I either really dig this. Yeah. There, uh, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the cigar that I liked from theirs the most. It's the it's like Y-N-C-L-A. It's like the Yinkling or whatever the hell it yeah. was. I love that Lancero, and I'm not a Lancero guy, but I, I, that was a creamy, delicious smoke. Uh, I reviewed their Libertad earlier this year. Didn't really do it for me. Um, I, I'm leaning towards uh, the positives on this one. I'm, I'm digging it. Okay. And it's, it's smoking at a good pace, too. I think I'm actually ahead of you, Tut. Uh, it, it's, a you slow, it's a slow burning smoke. Do you like that uh, that Voodoo Ranger 85 IPA? I do. It's not at all uh, too mango-y. It's not too fruit-forward. Um, what you say the IBUs on this were, Yaks? Nominal, right? It was like 30-something maybe? Correct. Yeah, 30 IBUs. That's what they're saying. But, you know, and that, and that's always kind of the thing. It is it is much lesser than a lot of the Voodoo Rangers. It's not a hop forward IPA, but uh, it's. I'll be honest. I, I I think if I checked right now, it's probably about 185 degrees in in the corner of the hope right now. It's damn refreshing, and I really like the way it's playing with the cigar. So yeah, I'm I'm thumbs up on the beer. And Doctor, you would you'd like it too. It, it's it's nothing objectionable about it. I was telling Todd earlier that I had actually toyed with the idea of, of grabbing a uh, sixer of it, but I thought it might be more suitable for me for a Saturday night beer. So no, no, I mean, it's only like 6%. So it's nothing crazy. Um, it's good. It's good. Todd, how's your Pacifico uh, handling things? Man, it feels like I'm in a Mexican restaurant, except without the chips and salsa. So it's kind of sad. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, I, if I got a Pacifico, there better be some queso within arm reach. Yeah. 
Uh, and and Yakboy, your your Sun Lab uh, with the twenty thousand different hops in it, it is rocking it. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I was with you when you bought that. That was a pricey beer. It was like twenty something bucks for a four pack, but you can taste. The I mean, and, taste and the I can understand it is probably a rare thing in our our region, coming all the way from Miami, but. These people, I mean, like I said, this brewery is very new. I mean, only a few years old, but they're both uh, the guys that started it have been in the industry for 10, 15 years. They went out on their own, and this was where they were headed. A lot of their beers are in sort of this same uh, range. where They're just mixing and matching. Okay. Uh, so we like our beers and we look, we're all kind of digging the smoke. And by the way, smoke production in this around the halfway point is copious. Uh, we like to use that word. It is flooding smoke out of this thing. Uh, I don't know. I got so many fans pointed on me trying to tame this heat. <laughs> I actually thought you might do the show tonight from your car, like with the car AC going. Uh, this is brutal. This is uh, absolutely brutal. It's All right. impressive Texas heat. Well, uh, the next day, the gang comes across an impromptu rockabilly concert on the boardwalk. <laughs> the band is rocking. They're one of those cool bands where the lead singer's got a drum in front. He's playing the drums while he's singing, standing up. Uh, the band's rocking. The chicks are shimmying and shaking their goods all over the fucking place. I thought he looked like the lead singer of the Romantics, but then it wasn't the rest of the Romantics. That's a good call. That's cool. He also had kind of a Rick Ocasek kind of look to him. Uh, it's kind of sad, actually, as I believe, like Tut said, you're watching all this shit every day. It's something new on Venice Beach. And I think right now it's not the same Venice Beach it, it once was, but we already touched on that. Oh, and get this. Chicks start dancing. Some hot chick starts dancing with Michael and he's all into it. And we see Julianne in the crowd scowling disapprovingly, all while a hunky older lifeguard named Roger massages her shoulders. Hypocriti- <laughs> Hypocritical much, Julianne? I They're can't believe you're letting that girl touch you. I am just disappointed. Wait a sec. A little bit lower. A little bit lower, Roger. Thank you. Yeah, she's, she's, not, she's not exactly... Uh, Roger that doesn't even imply the fact that there was, here. Con- there was a whole conversation where basically she lets this dude pick her up. Oh, no, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get no. to that. After a nice, now we have a pinwheel swipe transition where there's like a pinwheel that goes around. <laughs> the boys arrive at the outskirts of the infamous nude beach that Michael's older brother told them about earlier in the film. While they can't just stroll down, while they can't just stroll down the cliff naked with their dicks swinging around and join the party, because as they say, if we get in the water, their dicks shrivel up the size of peanuts when they get wet. I don't know anything about that. Well, uh, is unfortunately as as sunny and warm as it looks, the Pacific Ocean is incredibly cold. That that's not advantageous to men at a nude beach. It is Man, not. You don't go in the water. I, I'm sorry if there's a bunch of naked chicks going down. Don't charge down there. Woo-hoo! Well, you should just hang right there next to the surf because 
You're going to stare at the naked women. You're going to get an erection. So run into the water, cool it down, and come back out. I mean, it's just it's sort of a, quote, unquote, it is the ebb and flow. Well, Yagboy, as our resident boner expert, you have wisdom that these th- these four youngsters don't have, and you sh- you should. But been- we were all that age at one point. Well, get this: they don't have to go down to the new beach because they brought along Barry's dad's super powerful and super expensive ginormous binoculars to spy on all the naked chicks down below. We've got Bush boys. We've got Bush. Interesting looking binoculars. It's wall to wall tits down there, says Barry. Through the powerful optical lens. Now, this thing is like a bunch of PVC pipes <laughs> taped together, spray painted gray. Oh, Wiley Coyote oh. style. <laughs> it's the Acme Super Duper binoculars. I was just waiting for it to be like, you know, sort of like that whole like pirate thing. They're just going to like telescope it out. Like, <laughs> No, dude. No, dude, this thing is a, a monstrosity of tubes and 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 lenses. They got a budget, but not that big a budget. Um, this isn't that thing that's taking all those beautiful pictures of galaxies far, far away right now in the news. Uh, no, it's it, it well, yes, this was probably the precursor to the James Webb telescope. They had to start somewhere. It all starts with Barry's dad. It all starts with Barry's dad. Um. Uh, I mean, JPL Laboratories are in California, so it makes sense. It's probably right there. It's all now. That is some good investigative journalism, pal. You're tying the things together. Suck on that, Tom Brokaw. <laughs> Through the powerful optical lens, we witness at least twenty completely nude beach babes jogging in slow motion across sand to a generic yeah i was about to say if chariots of fire didn't start playing it's a generic it's just slightly different than chariots of slightly that's what i loved about it it was like the same melody except for three or four notes it's just a rip off your honor it was in the end credits as like it was something else of fire but i forget what it was Watermelon tits on fire. No, it was something like instead of chariots of fire, like sleds of fire. I don't know. It was something that. that <laughs> well, there are no buffalo butts in this scene. Even a nearby sea lion pops a boner. It, it is. I'll be honest here, boys. This scene of these chicks racing in slow motion, completely naked across the sand, is what gave hard moves the upper hand for tonight's discussion over hard bodies. I was going to go with the safe bet hard bodies. We've all seen it. We haven't talked about it. I loved it. But this nude beach scene, I'm like, this. there's two things in this movie that made me pick it. This is the first one. Uh, I'll tell you the other one later. It's just glorious. It's a glorious, glorious scene. The babes are sunbathing nude. They play volleyball nude. They're sk- laying down skimming through Reader's Digest reading nude. What am I uh, going to watch tonight on TV? Nude. <laughs> they're doing everything. Got it, so when a frustrated Barry gives up on getting a turn with the binoculars, he makes his way down to the beach to see the action with his own two eyes. The gang thinks he went behind a bush to go choke his chicken, but suddenly <laughs> there he is down on the beach. They see him in the lens with a towel around his waist, ready, ready to make his move, his hot move, if you will. But once again, his cock blocking best friends fuck it up. I can relate to that. They're also start. 
Did I say that last thing out loud? Okay. They're also startled to see Barry down on the beach that they drop the million-dollar binoculars off the cliff, destroying them, and Barry drops to his knees in the sand, crying his eyes out in anticipation of facing his pissed-off peeping Tom dad. What the hell was his dad doing with these things? He, you know what he was doing. Research. He's not. He was a serious bird watcher. Yeah, ba- his name's Barry Sagan. His dad's Carl Sagan. You can do a lot of scientific research with those PVC pipe binoculars. Well, well, Barry has now taken to pretending to be a blind guitar player on the beach to raise money to replace his pop's binoculars. Babyface Joey, after an awesome heavy metal daydream featuring him getting out of a DeLorean and approaching a squad of chain-smoking hookers wearing cave girl outfits, Lady Killer with the streets tonight, Lady Killer got you in his sights. I love the soundtrack. They come up with a song that fits every scene succinctly. And the only thing that would have actually made it better had they just literally went with the wall curtain of sparks behind them. <laughs> then it would have been like perfect MTV yeah. video. Yeah. All of a sudden, buried being a Skid Row video, which you're right. That, that would have been perfect. <laughs> well, hey, get this. Joey wakes up from this daydream where he was putting out cigarettes and, and making out with these, these whores. He's decided to break open his piggy bank and get laid the old-fashioned way. He's picking up a street hooker. But if he's going to bang a prostitute, he's going to need a rubber, isn't he, Todd? You definitely want one. Yeah. Todd knows. The gang enters an adult bookstore slash sex shop. And to say the man behind the counter is a memorable character would be quite an understatement. (sighs) Virgil Fry plays the character of the porno man. And this interesting actor got his career started playing bikers in flicks like Hell's Angels on Wheels and Easy Rider. Uh, this guy had been around for a while at this point. As the teens, by the way, that's a redundant title, right? Hell's Angels on Wheels. When are they not on wheels? Hell's Angels go to the circus. <laughs> Hell's Angels walk somewhere. Hell's Angels at the ball game. Yeah. Anyway, Hell's uh, Angels save Christmas. <laughs> Hell's Angels in the Phantom of the Amusement Park. As the teens look over a vast array of giant dildos and even larger butt plugs, no wonder we're not getting laid, Barry says, as he looks at these big ass things. Uh, that was a nice throwaway line. The porno man steps out from behind a curtain and asks what he can do for the four horn dogs. Joey asks for a medium sized box of rubbers. And somehow they pass on purchasing. The guy is really stra- – his new product he's pushing is edible jock straps. He says they come in 31 flavors, one of which is penis butter. <laughs> and dude, Joey's like, you know what? I'd rather just wash mine. It's like, dude, you don't eat them. The chick eats them. I loved the penis butter flavor. <laughs> I'm going to start using that from now on. Yeah, I'm going to change my screen name to penis butter. <laughs> Nobody can stop me either. <laughs> you dare me the next time I'm in a sandwich shop like McAllister's or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I like the peanut butter on rye. No, Subway, when you're just naming shit, like, let me get banana peppers, uh, some cucumbers. Let me get a little bit of peanut butter spread on there. 
You're going to get really like, you know, disappointed when they're like, hey, we're out of penis butter up here. More penis butter coming up. <laughs> just give him ranch. <laughs> He's an American. Just give him some ranch. He won't say shit about it. Who knows the difference? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Penis butter is market price. <laughs> they have a little sign on the door. Due to current uh, product limitations. <laughs> This subway might this subway might be out of penis butter. Fucking Russians? No, I can't even get penis butter. Thanks. You get Putin's penis butter. I want good old fashioned American penis butter. Good luck with that. Thanks, Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, and they also say no. Uh, the porno man also tries to sell him on a latex pocket pal. Which comes in three nationalities, and get this: the best part, according to the Porno Man, it can be used any time of the month. That's gross. <laughs> everything man. about this, everything about this store and this guy was so gross. Uh, Joey, useful. Also, you don't realize all of the technical innovations going on around you. He was simply trying to inform them. Of the new technologies. Trying to educate the boys. Uh, Well, Joey pays for the box of condoms and they get the hell out of there. Only once they leave, Barry sneaks back in and buys a $10 giant dildo, doctor style. No, no, that I say that with purpose. Uh, We made a film many, many years ago in our 20s. And I (laughs) I I wrote a scene that takes place in a sex shop. And we sent the doctor to a, the nearest uh, porno place was way down the road. And I gave him some cash and I'm like, hey, I need you to go buy some dildos to, for set dressing for, for this sex shop scene. And he goes and <laughs> he's on his cell phone talking to me. He's like, all right, they got this kind of dildo, this kind of dildo. And like, he's like, this one, uh, it, it, it vibrates and rotates. And I'm like, all right, doctor, can you have them put it on top of the glass counter and will it like spin around uh, with a suction cup base? And so I'd hear him ask the lady, the girl by the counter, like, it wasn't porno man, right? Doctor, it was a, it was a lady working there. I actually <laughs> don't 110% recall, but I believe it was a lady because I feel like I remember... You saying like it's for a movie, and she's like, "Yeah, sure it is." She was like, "Well, I think maybe said something like they usually are or something like that." But <laughs> no, I, I just remember that oh. I remember that she had no problem putting the batteries in it and performing a field test on the counter <laughs> with herself uh-huh. because she kind of like with it with a pleasant like smile, and it was like because obviously you realize there's no refunds on these. <laughs> like you couldn't bring it. There's no backseas. I think I remember one point. I think I, I had one this point. in my ass for two hours, and the battery had never turned on. I want my money back. I think at one point uh, I asked. The, at one point I asked the doctor if he'd ask her if they were dishwasher safe, and he was like, I, I, "I've done enough. I'm just going to buy the damn dildo and get out of there." I so like you know that part where she was. You like, never see it, but there's probably like that tag, like you see on mattresses, like. If this is removed, we can't take it back. No, I, I think I think it was you leave the store, we don't take it back. Like that, that's, there's no 
<laughs> Whatever happened to that two-gallon jug of penis butter that you brought back to the set that day? I, I never actually saw what where that went. Uh, anyway, no, but I remember her. I remember that. I remember that she put the batteries in it, and luckily there was nobody in there. And she like just set it on the counter and let you know it was to rotate it around. I was like, all right, it works because it was. I'm pretty sure once you paid for it, walked out of the store. That was, that was yours. I gave it to Cade and never saw it again. It's it's long gone as far as you know. What's that behind you right there? I see it. Cade's got the hot moves. He's going down. He's got the hot moves now. Well, their excursion that night into the dark recesses of West Hollywood in search of some action is a total bust. The first lady of the night uh, Joey approaches is just a woman waiting for the bus. The next one actually is a hooker, but Joey can't afford her $50 price tag. And then an older hooker ends up beating Barry with her purse. Uh, at this point, I'm starting to think that come September, these dudes are they're going to all be purchasing pocket pals from the porno man. Am I right, Yax? Absolutely. Their weekly, Absolutely. their weekly allowances are going straight to latex pocket pals. I'd still buy the penis butter jockstrap and just give it one <laughs> shot on the nude beach. Just walk down there with it and see what happens. Uh, hey, they got like peanut butter flavored cigars. Why not a peanut butter flavored uh, jockstrap? Interestingly, despite her keeping her ice cold coochie behind lock and key, Michael just can't get the virginal Julianne off his mind. Was there a song on the soundtrack called Ice Cold Coochie? I think they missed it. That was, a, was no, a that, that, you're, you're thinking of a song off the first Winger album. <laughs> Well, the next morning, uh, Michael drives over to the flower shop where she, where Julianne works and asks her out. But Julianne's calendar is all full of family stuff and other commitments. So Michael storms off once again, pissed off and horny. Well, as soon as the flower shop door slams behind him, Julianne's best friend and co-worker Wendy walks over and says, you know what, maybe Julianne, Maybe you should sleep with Michael. He obviously cares about you, the way he keeps showing up and yelling at you constantly for not sleeping with him. Or, Wendy reasons, maybe you should start dating other boys to get some perspective on things, to which Julianne admits she's got a date with Roger, the 20-something lifeguard, who was rubbing her shoulders at the beach a few days ago. But this now raises all kinds of questions. Well, first of all, yeah, Roger doesn't seem like he's on the hunt for Muff at all. He, he's a straight-up straight gentleman. Come on. Also, the fact that he's not a high school student. Hey, Wendy, man, that's one thing I like about them high school kids. <laughs> well, Wendy ultimately... Look, this isn't one of those instances of Romeo-Juliet law bullshit. This guy didn't know this girl. They didn't go to school together. There's questions. I think Roger might have legitimate legal questions. I think Roger might have the hot moves now. Doc may or may not have stolen a few things from the Roger playbook at one point <laughs> in life. I'm gonna get myself another Swifty. Swifty, anybody? <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick, Doctor. Before you do, let me just uh, get us to a scene. Wendy 
is happy for her friend that she's going on a date with a new guy, Roger. So she and Julianne hug and then they start making out and then they take each other's clothes off. What? No, no, no. You're going to have to rent 1987. You're going to have to rent 1987's The Stepfather to see that kind of stuff. So trust me, go rent The Stepfather. I think it's on Shudder. Now, Doctor, you may go get your beer. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap up Stranger Things. I've got one more episode to watch, and I'll finish that. We've got. We've got. Two more, and then the new, the last two that they drop. So we got like four more to go. Yeah. Let me tell you all about it before it even gets there. You say nothing. Uh, I told Tut though earlier, Yaks. uh, I started watch rewatching season one with my oldest. mm -hmm. All her friends had seen it, and I was like, "All right, fine. All right, okay." On one hand. It is pretty damn the tightest story-wise and acting-wise first season of TV I've seen. It is just... The story is so tight. Because somewhere over the seasons, I'd kind of lost, like, where the... How the, the, the portal occurred and how Eleven played into it. The Demogorgon... I would kind of lost how that happened. But if you go back and watch season one, it's very well explained how everything happened. But most season ones are building and then they, they get, it is the tightest season one acting wise and story wise. It's so good. Well, I'm going to probably say this, these, I mean, they've probably thought about this more than anything. They've had their ideas where they wanted it to go, whether or not they were going to get the funding to get it to go there. But I think, you know, just considering all the references and everything that, you know, ties in, they, they've probably had a clear idea beginning and end. And I I think so. And it's evident from that first season, but on the, on the flip side of that, watching uh steve take the the nancy's virginity to foreigners i want to know what love is sitting next to your 11 year old on the couch that that was weird oh let's all face it we had those awkward moments when we were it didn't help that it didn't help that i was like steve's got the hot moves (laughs) well it's not like you were handing her the like ginormous you know, PVC binoculars. Watch. Check this out. Just uh, let dad pour some more of his water. <laughs> Brought to you by Yabega Rakia. Nothing like it. Are <laughs> right, you boys ready? <laughs> okay, well, real quick, boys. I don't know about you. I, I was smoking a little bit of heady. I, I'm well into the final third of this. Are you guys... Right there with you. Believe it or not, the pepper has finally kind of died down a little bit on that retro hail in the final third for me. It's still there. I, I will agree with you on that. It, it still there, but towards that middle, it built up. It got. It felt like it was just going to keep getting stronger. But now in that final third, I'm, I'm getting the black pepper through the nose. 
I'm still getting the hickory on the draw, but I'm also getting the leather that someone mentioned earlier uh, on the draw. And that coffee note that I picked up on around the 50-yard line is more pronounced now. So now I'm getting coffee, leather, still some woodsiness. I'm not getting the earthiness that was present earlier, and the the peppers die down. Um, I like that transition into, oh, okay, you are going to kick the pepper down and let the the flavors kind of shine more on the draw in the final third. It, uh, it's 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 burning great. Uh, so why don't we? Uh, first of all, before I go price point, are, have you guys enjoyed the ride? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Very much I think so. this is one where Villager did a really good job on it. It's working with all the tobaccos alike, and I thought I think so. The fact, that, the fact that it's working with. A mango beer, a uh, super duper uh, multi hop Ford uh, IP uh, hazy IPA, and Tut's uh, Pacifico Lager. I, I mean, I think that's that's always a testament to a cigar when it can dance well with multiple partners. That's not a euphemism. Um, yeah, I, I'm, di- I'm digging it. Uh, what, what what do you guys think this thing costs? Man, I have no earthly idea because it's a TAA exclusive. TAA exclusive, I mean, so they, they made it just for the 80 or so shops. It's kind, uh, of a, kind of a fundraiser type cigar. Man, I don't know. Uh, $12.50. $12.50. Yaks right out of the gate with a guess. I like that. Cut. And twelve fifty is probably pretty decent. It is a slow smoking cigar. This thing's been chugging along the, the majority of the show, just uh, like a trooper. I'm going to go thirteen fifty because of the fundraising access or th- fundraising component. You think they jack even, the price? You think they jack the price so they can? Yeah, yeah. We we'll get what then, we get what we wanted so. to sell the cigar for, and then the extra shit we'll give to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, I'll say thirteen fifty. Ten bucks. Hey, I need to jack that up so I can give more to TAA. I am all about that price point. It's a good ten dollars cigar. Yeah, that's a, yes. that's a ten dollars a well spent actually. It reminds me a little bit, profile wise, of a Blackworks, a Black Label Train Company cigar. Um, I can see yeah. that. The, yeah, I can see that. The the strength, the the primarily Nicaraguan uh, pro, profile, but that that Mexican wrapper, just that man, two thirds was just hitch over the head pepper, and then yeah, it's kind pepper of just bumping up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ten bucks for a, a box pressed. I guess I guess it's a Toro. I think I said it was. Uh, man, that's a that's a good price. I, I've given this cigar a thumbs up. I like it. This is actually the second one I smoked. It's consistent. The other one was great construction, same notes. Yeah. Uh, the woodsy, the eventual kind of uh, transition to coffee and leather, and uh, that that pretty much consistent till the very end spice. Uh, I dig it. I'm a fan of this cigar. Uh, I agree. Good job, Villager. Later on, while watching a pretty impressive breakdancing demonstration on the boardwalk, the featured breakdancer in the uh, turquoise sweatpants that was doing all sorts of crazy shit. Did you guys recognize him? I did not until I saw the end credits. 
one and only Gerardo, a.k.a. Rico Suave, also of Can't Buy Me Love thing. Uh. Yeah, it was him. Well, Michael sees Julianne hanging out with Buff Roger, the lifeguard, up in his watchtower, and his blood starts boiling. That is until his older brother Cliff saunters over and suggests that maybe Michael asks his sexy ex-girlfriend and super horny friend Heidi out for a date. Remember her from the nude beach and she's the one that dropped mm-hmm. the ice cream on, on Michael's lap earlier? Forget Cliff her. says she's an Go animal. On. Cliff says she's an animal in the sack and she has a lot of horny friends who'd probably love to sleep with Michael's horny friend, his horny friends. That sounds like a plan. Man, I wish I had an older brother. Like, Yeah, yeah growing up, you had an older brother. How come you never hooked us up with any sex-crazed animals when we were growing up? Well, also because we probably were never around any place like Venice Beach, where there was just horny, crazed females. Oh, yeah. Uh, Throwing up there. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, there is a, a, a void uh, culturally between Central Texas and 1984 Venice Beach. Good, good point. Good point. Doctor, did you recognize the actor playing Big Brother Cliff? I did not. Also from Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, he plays Steve, the guy that takes his girlfriend out to the woods in Crystal Lake on his motorcycle. And Jason proceeds uh, to stick his machete through both of them on the back of the bike. Yeah, no, I, I did not pick up on that at all. Uh, ironically, Jason kills Cliff bef- right before he could get laid, which. Jason was not about the hot moves. No, no. He, no. he hates the hot moves. He hated hot moves. He, he took care <laughs> of get hot moves. Uh, well, meanwhile, across town, uh, Scotty is delivering uh, the blonde friend who really hasn't done anything at this point. He's delivering newspapers on a skateboard when a horny lingerie wearing housewife invites him inside so she can fill out a subscription form. Well, Scotty's horny, too. Uh, Guinness Book Guinness Book of World Records, if you're listening, that's the 7,000th time I've said the word horny tonight. That's got to be some kind of record. Uh, so he eagerly follows her in the house where she immediately starts doing a strip tease for him. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Bring it. But just as things start to get steamy, the housewife's wig falls off, revealing that she is actually a he. Yikes. Oops. Couldn't see that one coming with her dulcet tenor voice. How much does a newspaper subscription cost, young man? As horny as Scotty is, he can't picture himself losing his virginity that way. Uh, so he grabs his skateboard and gets the fuck out of there. Can't say I blame him, eh, doctor? No, I was uh, proud of Scotty because I didn't know uh, how many brain cells he actually had. So uh, it was good, good on him for recognizing he was in an untenable situation and fleeing. That, w- that would have been something if he was like, well... No. I'll fulfill the pact. Oh, he's going to be first. He fulfilled the pact, all right. Oh. Am I canceled now? Did that do it? I don't think so. I can't. I, yeah. I can say. I can say he/she. Okay. 
Um, uh, I don't think it's like, like you're that. Like, the way you ask that question is almost like you want to do. Like, are we? Am I canceled yet? Have I done enough? <laughs> are we done here? Do I ever have to do one of these shows again? Please. Oh, great! Now I got the paramedics and the he/she's coming for me. Is there a is there a, is there a color I can put on my flag for those? Yes, it's called rainbow. That's a whole nother flag. Damn it. Well, Michael tries calling Julianne to berate her for not sleeping with him again one more time. But when he can't get her yell at her on the phone, he hangs up and immediately calls Heidi instead. And boy, is this 22-year-old sexual animal glad to hear from this 17-year-old virgin. They agree to meet up tomorrow night. He'll bring three of his friends and she'll do the same. Oh, she says, make sure you bring lots of booze because my friends love to drink. All right. Heidi's got the hot moves. Heidi yes, got Heidi's the hot moves. moves. She's got the hot moves. But also, I just want to say, it's the 80s still. And she can just assume that teenage boys can get a hold of booze. Yeah. Which boobs, boobs for booze. Us in the yeah. 80s, not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Kids nowadays, yeah. they'll never know There's this. Will. So enjoy. No, they're all on opioids. They, they don't. Yeah, they're doing fentanyl. Uh, you know who else has the hot moves, Ted? Um, is that going to be uh, Jonathan Drew, Willie Herrera, and our friends at Drew Estate? Our good friends at Drew Estate—they got the hot moves, baby. Yeah. Just in case you folks at home weren't listening to what I said earlier about Drew Estate's latest creation, I'm going to go ahead and say it again now. Introduced during Freestyle Live Special Edition, 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate is a complex and medium-bodied cigar with super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. 20 Acre Farm is built using a velvety Ecuadorian Connecticut shade-grown wrapper, a sun-grown Habano binder, and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa, blended with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf, which is humbly and lovingly grown one harvest at a time, by Jeff Borshowitz on a pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. We were there for the barn smoker, as we mentioned, and I want to say this weekend coming up is actually the grand return of the Pennsylvania barn smoker, my favorite barn smoker of all the barn smokers. Very fun place. Have fun, everybody. Uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania is one of my favorite towns. Uh, We we loved going to that uh, event. And while you guys are having fun, we'll be sitting around here with our multinationality pocket pals doing the best we can. We've got the hot moves now. All right. It's like 100 degrees at 11 o'clock, and we definitely got hot moves. Yeah, we got the hot moves. It's still 100 degrees. I don't don't want to be in, in Amish country right now where it's like 80 degrees and no. Although that one Amish, that one Amish guy that was climbing those tobacco barns like a spider monkey and then chugging the Yingling later, he had the hot moves. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. You are correct, yeah, boy. Um, well, after the sun goes down, the boys meet up at the bowling alley where Barry chugs an entire bottle of ketchup to set the mood for romance. 
Okay. When, when dude's gonna wake up and realize that chugging shit ain't cool? Nobody thinks chugging is cool. Oh. Yeah, that's so. That's terrible. I don't know what. It's just horrible. It's sad, is what it is. It's sad. Yeah. Disgusting. I hate it. Heidi, <laughs> Heidi, and her alcoholic friends show up, and the guys treat them to a fun time consisting of air hockey and skee ball. The cigar chomping little person handing out prizes at the arcade feels so sorry for the girls. He tosses Heidi a stuffed hippo, which she names Michael to always remind her of this very special night. Tut, uh, you mentioned Seinfeld off the air. The little guy was actually Jerry Marin, who was a member of the Lollipop Guild in The Wizard of Oz, and he played Mickey's father on Seinfeld. Oh, I forgot. I know I've seen him a lot, uh, but I, I couldn't place him at- I hey, knew Lollipop, but I didn't know Seinfeld. He wow. may be he may be short, but he lived a long life. He passed away back in 2018 at the age of 98. Wow. Wow. I had a good run. Doctor, what is that in big people years? <laughs> I think wow. that I think they actually, I think it's actually the same. Oh, is it? Is yeah, it I think it's like dog years. I think he's it's uh, uh, I think it's the same age. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. How do I put that green stripe up there again? Behind me. What's <laughs> what's the, what's the, the stripe? Oh, I, mean, it, it, I don't know. Is it, small, is it a small stripe? I mean, is, there's gonna be some stripe. I think it's one of the stars. I mean, that's that's if we don't get canceled for that one, I don't know why we don't. This may end up being a last show. <laughs> Moving on. We, we might. We might get canceled. I've told the story, I think, before, but uh, we were, my, uh, a relative was having surgery in the hospital. And I went to the, well, they were in recovery. I went to the waiting room where my my brother-in-law was watching the the TV set up in the waiting room. And it was one of those TLC shows about uh, little people. Yeah. And I'd never seen it, and he was a big fan, so we're watching it, and I'm like, what is this about? And he's like, well, he's like, these little people uh, are married, and that's their kids. And he's like, but get this. He's like, they have this one kid, and he's original size. And I I, I thought that was the, the damnedest thing I ever heard in my life. Original size. Sounds like something he... At a fast food restaurant. Yeah, it's not like he was talking about French fries. Uh, after a game of putt-putt, the clearly bored girls beg for some strong booze, and with the help of some two, 217-proof pooch that Barry has in a flask taped to his hairy ankle, things get taken up a notch. Next thing we know, they're all getting wasted in Michael's convertible. Barry pulls a prank where he sticks that $10 dildo he bought out of his fly and starts screaming that his dick is caught in a zipper and everyone's so drunk, they kind of get a kick out of it. He also like shakes up a beer and like, I guess it's like acting like it's shooting. I I don't know what what that was about. Uh, It doesn't matter. Even prudish Heidi's prudish 16 year old cousin who's there on vacation reluctantly starts chugging bourbon too. At first, she was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm only 16. I but then hanging out with these doofuses, she's, wouldn't you start drinking? Absolutely. It's called survival. 
Well, it works. She's got the hot moves now. Uh, She's going down. <laughs> She's got the hot moves now. They all go back to the bowling alley to get some food. And as the girls walk off to powder their noses, Barry announces that he's in love. His date has everything he's ever wanted in a woman. All tits and no brains. What a, sh- what a shithead. While the girls freshen up, Joey passes around some clandestine beers they snuck in. This was an 80s thing where you'd put a soda label on the outside of a beer so you could like drink and drive. They, they snuck a bunch of these in the bowling alley. Right. It was in the 80s. <laughs> Never 80, was done. 80s Never. T-ball games. Never was done after that by me or anyone else I know. Well, get this. Barry starts snapping his fingers for the waitress to come over and take their pizza order. You know, the same waitress that he burned her apartment to the ground. He's like, hey, we need some pizza over here. When she reluctantly comes over to the boy's table, Barry cracks open his beer and accidentally soaks her in foam. The thing shoots off, just covers her in foam. This guy's a hopeless shithead, am I right? I like Barry. Oh, we're team. We like Barry. Okay. I like that. I mean, I don't, I don't, the most questionable movies made all night was ordering a bowling alley pizza. But, uh, you know, other than that, I'm okay with Barry. It was a jumbo whammy. It was supposed to be. We'll get to that. Just then, Michael sees Julianne playing pool with her lifeguard friend, Roger, and you can see the smoke shoot out of his ears. He marches over to the pool table where Roger's helping Julianne guide the stick repeatedly through her fingers, and he decides to make a scene. Roger isn't standing for this teenage bullshit, though. He's had enough of this kid. Hey, wimp, don't make me get tough with you, all right? Michael tells Raj to take a flying fuck, and the lifeguard shoves him into the wall with a rack of pool sticks crashing down on top of Michael. Julian, I, I, I think Roger. I think Roger's in the right here. I'm, I'm, I'm signing with Roger. Yeah, he's on a date, and this guy's puffing his yeah. chest. Out. Yeah. Although the shove is always weak sauce. And I mean, I'm not sure how in the right he is, considering he's 28. He's got a 17 year old girl on his tape with him. But you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Let's ask our oh. let's let's zoom in Kip Winger to uh, tell us a little bit about his tape. Winger's got the hot moves. He's going down. Uh, well, Julianne runs over to Michael to check on him, but he brushes her off. What do you care, Heidi? Here's the ruckus, and she comes over to help Michael up to his feet. Why don't you pick on someone your own size, fuckface, she says to Roger. Come on, Michael. I'll patch you up at my place. Michael's got the hot moves now. Yes. Yes. Heidi takes them all back to her place, where she treats Michael's swollen face and feeds him some pizza. Well, get this. The waitress got her revenge on the boys by giving them pepperoni pizza to take home, knowing damn well that Barry is the one fat guy in America who hates pepperonis. He was very adamant about that. He hates pepperonis, and she loaded this thing with pepperonis. What kind of person hates pepperonis on a pizza? That's an American. Nobody I want to know. Oh, you know know who? I'm off of Team Barry. I'm sorry. You know who, Ted? Ted Koppel. I, I, I believe it. Fucker hates pepperonis. Ted Koppel and Barry. I'm off of Team Barry. You know, have fun with your little spinning dildo, Barry. 
So all the couples are making out in the living room until Heidi, being the sexual aggressor she is, pulls Michael into her bedroom for some alone time. But get this. All of a sudden, Mikey realizes that sex just isn't that important to him after all. And it's Julianne who holds the key to his heart. Boy, that's a dramatic shift in uh, motivation from our our lead, uh, Mikey. Uh, It might be kind of touching if he wasn't such a dickhead the entire movie and Julianne wasn't an unlikable whiny ass. Uh, They kind of deserve each other, if you ask me. Um, On the flip side, Scotty ends up banging a girl in a coat closet. Yeah. Joey nails the 16-year-old cousin in the parents' bedroom, which for some reason has photos of Richard Nixon all over the walls. That was a weird touch. And after having some erectile dysfunction issues at first, Barry finally gets it up. Boing. We actually get the boner sound effect. You know, I love that. Uh, And he screws a chick on the floor in the living room behind a couch. Tut. Is that typical to be able to sport a usable heart on that quickly after your wiener was totally flaccid and lifeless just moments beforehand? Yes, yes. Uh, there is a moment with alcohol that, you know, you consume too much, it's bad news. But, you know, if you're there and you're not really willing to participate, just take a couple of chugs, you're good for a little bit. Don't chug too many, though. So Also, on the Travis Trick tour, there would be multiple times where you'd be with someone and you're like, hey, this thing's not going to work for nothing. A couple of chugs, boing, and you're good to go. Don't chug too much, though. And it's a it's a thin line. It's a you thin would, line. in fact, avoid the whiskey dick. Well, they were drinking 217 proof bourbon. That That has to have some kind of effect, right, doctor? This is the first I'm hearing that drinking too much could be bad for you. That's uh, news. Yes, to- it's I literally call it the dance with the hillbillies. You dance too much and you're down. We're I think the thing is, if you produce the boing sound effect, that that means it's it's good to go. It is, but if you keep drinking and you don't participate, you know what? I don't believe you. <laughs> Doctor's taking a stand in the. Uh, All right. I I feel like I I failed you as a audience, and I I failed you as a podcast host. That when Barry got his second resurgence boner, I did the boyoing uh, because for years I've been promoting sound effects on the show, and I think. <laughs> This is the perfect opportunity for my sound effects machine. You hear that noise? Barry's got the hot moves. Thank you, Pacifico, for making the sound effects machine palatable. <laughs> the boner sound effect brought to you by our friends at Drew State. Uh, you know what? No, I'll give that to J.C. Newman. Uh, one of our other sponsors, J.C. Newman, uh, Brought you, uh, brought you. There. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. Now you can hear it. All the other episodes, you go, okay, I can't. Sorry, Cade. You got to put that thing away. I keep, we keep, we, it's all buzzes and whistles. We can't hear a thing. Uh, 
Uh, actually, that was the case. I, I don't lie to you about that. Most of the time I couldn't hear it, and this time it was loud and clear. <laughs> well, good. All right. All right. Something. All right. There we go. You know what? I'm going to keep doing more shows now that my, my sound effects thing works. Uh, did y'all recognize the beauty who gave herself her her flower up to Barry? Uh, only because her name was in the credits again. Her name is Monique Gabrielle, and she starred as Rena the Seer, aka Princess Evie, in Deathstalker 2, which the doctor wrote a review of on the TNCC website. You can go check that out and get this, Yaks. She also, a uh, year prior, played Tracy in Bachelor Party. Tracy? I cannot, I cannot recommend oh, that. You didn't recognize those melons? I did not. I am ashamed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Monique Gabrielle, well done. I actually thought Death Stalker 2 was a potential, uh, show movie. That was, I, am I wrong? That was a Jim Wynorski picture, correct? Yes. Uh, it was, a uh, man, during the pandemic before vaccines, there was a rainy Saturday that spring or summer. Uh, and I, I had a Wynorski double feature on a Saturday. I watched that in Chopping Mall, uh, and I was familiar with Chopping Mall. I haven't seen that, but Death Stalker Two, I'd seen a long time earlier. That, that, that was a that is a wild romp of a flick. And only on the TNCC website would we post a lengthy, really in depth review of Death Stalker Two with totally disregarding Death Stalker One. That's how we roll. That's how we do things. We've got the hot moves, baby. We've uh, got the hot moves. Well, three out of four ain't bad. That leaves only hothead Michael to get laid, and then their friend's pact will be complete. But uh, Julianne is off with the buff Matt Cade-esque lifeguard Roger, remember? Isn't this just just like American Pie where it's the one dude who's like the leader of the pack, and then he's like, hey, you know what? I, I realize I'm all about loving relationships now. Yes, yes, that's what I was saying. Was exactly. that a big Biggs? Was he? Was that his deal? No. Jason. Jason. There was the one guy who had the girlfriend. I said there was, very, there was similarities, but not exact. Sarah Lipinski, the gymnast. No, Tara Lipinski. Tara Jesus. Reed. Yeah, Tara oh, Reed. Tara Reed, not the skater. Okay. You just injected your own. Uh, stuff into American Pie. Yeah, Tara Reed is a is a very different sexual animal than Tara Lipinski. Yeah, but Tara Reed does. Tara Reed back then did have some hot moves. Uh, and and I think you're right, but it wasn't Biggs. You're right. It was the other guy that never did anything else. Yeah, though he was that that Thomas Ian Nicholas that was in the Halloween Resurrection movie. So he, as far as like a similarity between those four and the four in Hot Moves, they do have the character played by that guy who, from beginning to end, has a girlfriend that's not uh, giving him what he wants. So that's that's his frustration. So they they do she's not out. giving him what he wants. Uh, that that was a similarity between the okay. Well, speaking of the devil, him to frustration. I, uh, I think Tut's going to have an album worth of stuff by the end of this episode. 
uh, dude, you on keyboards, me on lead vocals, Yak Boy bass guitar, Doctor. What do you want? Name an instrument. It's yours. Oh, I thought you were going to say I, I didn't fit and I was out. Uh, no. I was I mean, a, I, we, uh, need a, we need a rhythm guitarist. Uh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll dwell on that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the devil, Roger's pickup truck is now parked in front of Julianne's parents' house. She thanks him for their date, but before he'll let her go, he begs for a kiss. She gives him a little smooch. But Roger wants more. He tells her, you know what? You prance around all day with your gorgeous body and your tight little shorts. You'll fuck your boyfriend. Why won't you fuck me? You know what? She says, why don't you go fuck yourself? And she slaps the shit out of him. That was a pretty good on-screen slap. It was. It reminded me, Doctor, remember, without naming names, one time we were hanging out back in those days, teenagers, maybe a little bit older, and we saw a chick slap this dude so silly his jaw got like, yeah. like his whole jaw like went to the back of his head is I, I ever since then i like really look at slaps on screen I'm like this one was good this one was really good is this, is this the, the i know well i know i know this is the situation but like afterwards i think we we're about 19 or 20 afterwards i like went over to the guy because i for he really did like swell up on the side of his face and i remember like thinking I think I went over and like asked him if he needed a ride to the hospital or something. And and he just, he he went outside for a smoke and it was like, he would take a drag and it would blow out the side of his face. Dude, she, she slapped him so hard. And I think afterwards I like went over to him and was like, Hey man, are you, you all right? You need to, he he just went, never let him see you sweat. (laughs) No, it was more like, no road. But I'm sure you sweat. All right. She's gone now and, you're not impressing me. Do you need a ride to the clinic? <laughs> Which we did not take him to. Yeah. No, he, he did, declined it. Yeah, no, we, well, he didn't have the green stripe for the paramedics. So. <laughs> this was like in 1995. They didn't have that then. The world was a simpler place, Yaks. <laughs> it was so goddamn simple. <laughs> Doctor's like, we need, we need to get this guy help. I'm like, hold on. Let me change my flag outside my house. <laughs> Come here, you little slut, Roger yells as he tries to force himself on Julianne. Oh, back to the movie. I was like, hey. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I'm not saying that to you, Doctor. I'm sorry. I, I, I did not mean to startle you. I'm sorry. I offered to take you Baskin Robbins or some penis butter. You said no. <laughs> I think that was the 32nd flavor of Baskin Robbins. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, no, uh, Roger calls her a little slut, and he, and he jumps on top of her. That's always a baffling thing to me. And, Doctor, you and I have laughed about this for years, it's, it, mainly in movies. You don't see this a lot in the real world. When a guy gets rejected by a chick who won't sleep with him, and his immediate reaction is, you fucking slut. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's the opposite reaction. It's if like she if was a slut, she would be sleeping. I'm sure you understand the definition of that. It's word. like in uh, in Commando when Sully's trying to pick up Ray Dong Chong in the airport. He's like, "Come on, baby, you and me, we'll get hot under the sheet." She's like, "I'm not. Re- I'm really not interested. You fucking whore. Fucking whore. No, Sully, that's not. That's not how this. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what you just said. You really should have been. I wish you were a fucking whore. <laughs> there you go. 
but just then Michael appears in the window. He doesn't, I forget, he does say something. I didn't write it down, but it's something like surfs up lifeguard or something like that. Or he, he says something before he punches Roger through the window right in his face. Roger jumps out and starts chasing Michael in circles around the truck. Like literally, I was laughing my ass. At least five or six times. It's like Benny Hill music. They're just running in circles around the truck. Michael like will jump in the back of the truck and then out the other side. They just chase each other around. Until finally, Roger jumps off the cab of the truck. He finally gets Michael and he jumps off. And only in this movie, he yells, Geronimo! Dude. Oh, how great was that? Man, In the moment, he thought to yell Geronimo when he yelled, when he jumped off the tr- the top of his truck. Wonder if I was inebriated at that point. Uh, I know I was. But Julianne looks at the window, sees uh, Roger up in the air about to come down. So she swings open the the truck door, to which Roger lands on it, crushing his lifeguard nuts. Uh, hard. Doctor, do you think rapist Roger will be able to report to the lifeguard tower the next day, or do you think he's going to need some time to get his flesh inner tube back into working order? It's a great question. It is a great question. I think it's far too early to tell you. Balls must be smashed into silly putty. Every fiber of his balls must be on fire with pain. My God. My God, the pain his balls must be in. That's why I'm wearing the shirt. Yeah. Doctor, you've provided some valuable insight tonight from a medical standpoint. Thank you. Thank you. I always try to. Well, as a gentle love ballad plays uh, on the radio later that night, we join Michael and Julianne in his convertible up at Makeout Point. He tells her that he's willing to wait to make love until she's ready. And she tells him that she never realized how lucky she was to have him for a boyfriend, nor how good looking and sexy he is. They agree to start dating again. And then she gives him a hand job before he drives her home. This scene, keep in mind, on, we watched this on YouTube and it was, it was VHS quality. That scene was so dark. I'm not sure she gave him a hand job, but I think she might have. I don't think she did, but we, we can. Right. It was difficult to tell. It's now the day before school starts. We're in September, and we get one more montage featuring top-heavy chicks jumping on trampolines and bikini babes roller skating down the beach. Our crew of sexually satisfied buddies are soaking up some sun and reflecting on their wild summer. They're men now, damn it. No longer boys. Well, except for Michael. He's still a little boy. Handjob or not, he has not sealed the deal. He did not fulfill his end of the pack. Oh, and get this. As they're sitting out on the beach uh, having some sodas, Roger and his swollen balls pulls up in his pickup truck to threaten Michael. You got lucky the other night. You won't get so lucky next time. But the the guys see that riding shotgun with him is the transvestite housewife who tried to seduce Scotty earlier. She has the hot moves now. It's like a, it's a, it's like that movie It Follows that we did on the show. You give people the hot moves. And then they have to give it to someone else. And it, it just, the hot moves passes around to everybody. Interesting. Um, so American Pie and It Follows both ripped off hot moves. Sure. Maybe. Very true. 
The end. Damn it. Uh, I was having so much fun. I never wanted hot moves to end. Uh, for 85 minutes, my life had purpose and meaning and fun and enjoyment. And then it was over and I, I cried like Roger getting his nuts crushed. Uh, but all good things must come to an end. And hot moves came to an end. Um, did you guys like it? I, I did. Thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. And the Pantheon at 80s TNA. I actually thought part of the allure of this was the fact that watching it felt like watching an old VHS tape. The The quality was about identical to what you would pop in a VCR back in the 80s. And oh, absolutely. I, I thought that, that I got something. I got I got a little bit of jazz out of that. I don't know if I I don't know if I need a high def crystal 1080p version of Hot Moves. I I, I, like, I mean I, I, love I don't video. know if y'all can remember the time when video stores would actually rent VHS players. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yes. It was the size of a Buick. Yes. And that this is what this movie's quality reminds me of. Or the ones that you know, would come you, in you the didn't have case with the handle. Oh God, bless it! Yes, this it is what like, this reminds it like the, me. Of. It was like the nuclear briefcase that Putin takes on the helicopters. Like <laughs> this thing was enormous, and I don't know. There was a certain charm. Like this is exactly how it would look if I watched it in 1984. Well, I, I like present day Christmas, so yeah. That and I and I should mention, I found I found out afterwards there actually was. You can get on eBay a 1080p blu-ray release of hot moves and the screenshots uh from blu-ray.com looked incredible like it it is they there is a very very pretty version of this movie that you can okay you're not kidding they actually have a blu-ray of this yeah i think it's a bootleg but they actually clean the hell out of it it looks really good because i i would have this I get your nostalgia element, but I would have liked to have seen this as Christmas could be when I when I watched the hot dog Blu-ray, which was not a bootleg, but an official one. I was fucking blown away. I'd, I'd like to watch this and it's normal. Uh, I think I've I think it's been so long since I've watched VHS that I, I've gotten a little bit spoiled by it. So I would have loved to have seen a, a, a normal. We uh, have today. But you know what? I, I will caveat that with uh, I watch so many, especially being stuck on the couch for 10 days with COVID. I watched easily a dozen or more uh, unavailable TNA 80s flicks on YouTube. And this was actually one of the better looking ones. Like some of them were so, so bad. Even I couldn't use nostalgia as justification for why they just looked like crap. This one, this one, this one, this one was watch. This one was serviceable. Did the Blu-ray is one hundred and forty-nine dollars? Oh, is that all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is out there, and I hope one day they do an official Blu-ray release that's reasonably priced. Maybe get some uh, special features on there. Interview the. Doctor, you did a, a review on our website of the hot dog Blu-ray. You just said it was amazing. Did you ever go back and watch any of the special features? I have not watched any of the special features. The the movie itself on Blu-ray was unbelievable. Just super. Like 
Like it's like a shot last week. And it's like a shot yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know for a fact the hot dog Blu-ray, which also had some deleted uh, nudity scenes reinserted into it. But I know for a fact that uh, Don May and I think it was Synapse Films, they spent months, if not a year, going back to the original negative of Hot Dog. And they, they really did that movie right. Like, they, they that's an official HD release. Like, they went to the film and just... When you said that, it made perfect sense because I know how much hard work went into making Hot Dog the movie look as good as it did. Yeah, I'm assuming that uh, that uh, the technology exists, but it is going to be some energy on on some people's part to make it that good. Uh, well, uh, I I hope like hell that uh, somebody this, uh, man, I haven't said this in many. We're in episode 155, and I, I said it many many years ago. I, I would love nothing more than the TNCC to be involved in somehow bringing some of these movies that we talk about to have a, a rebirth and, an, and a, a new release and hot moves is worthy. Hot moves deserves. Um, we did loose screws on episode 100 and I was like, man, this is kind of the ultimate TNCC movie. Now, Hot Moves is the ultimate TNCC movie. This thing had it all. This thing just... It's the apocalypse now of 80s TNA movies. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I'll have to go back sure. and watch this again because I don't remember much of it. Uh, I remember we loved it. But yeah, this is this is a pinnacle 84 fantastic year. It's got all the elements. Uh been a fun, fun movie. Uh, I feel like I need to say it to be thorough. Other than Michael Zorak, who plays Barry, who, as I mentioned, was in private school. The other three guys. Uh, anybody could have done that. Yeah. Uh, anybody could have filled in those other three roles. Uh you know, Michael was completely unlikable. Scotty was completely forgettable. And Joey was just an 11 year old <laughs> that somehow found his way into a eighties teenage, uh, sex comedy. But I, 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 I just love it, it. It didn't hurt anything. It, you could have, it could have helped if there were some other people, but it didn't, it didn't hurt anything. Yeah. Well, a lot of the movies I passed on the, the, the core group of dudes were so unlikable and so badly written and stuff. It was like, they're all, they were all assholes. They were all Michaels. And it was like, yeah, no, like, like this, this, this movie worked enough, but it had help from all the shit going on around these dudes. Um, on that note, French composer Philippe LaRue says that every great memorable piece of music needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear here that the nude beach scene viewed through the lens of Barry's dad's super high tech binoculars is just one moment a brilliant madness that elevates hot moves above the crowded pack of eighties TNA films. I think Philippe LaRue would be proud uh, of what we did here tonight. And I, I think you guys would all agree with me. I'm not going to ask you if you'll agree with me. Let's just go with that, that you would agree with me. Um, cigar thumbs up. Hey. Good job, Billiger. Uh, everybody liked their beers. 
Yeah. Indeed. Very much so. Thumbs up on the beers. Um, and I think safe to say after uh, what I just threw out there that we all like the movie. Uh, as the Can way up the soundtrack, it was Chariots for Hire. That's what the name of the, the song. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I know this was our big TNA summer party episode, uh, but as I prepare myself to say my signature closing catchphrase, which I do at the end of every show, I'd be sticking my head in the sand if I didn't at least recognize what the fucking clown car we call the Supreme Court just did to the women and young girls in this country. Former Wyoming Senator Alan K. Simpson once said, there is no slippery slope towards the loss of liberty, only a long staircase where each step down must first be tolerated by the American people and their leaders. So I'm going to jump on my soapbox for 10 seconds before we bid you a fond adieu. Y'all listening and watching at home, quit tolerating this bullshit and start electing some sound-minded leaders who actually give a fuck about what we, the vast majority of Americans living and breathing, breathing in the middle of the political spectrum, think about shit. And I'm talking to both sides here. Enough of these fringe pandering mental midgets, dickless psychos and woke jokes. Let's get tough, all of us, and take this country back from the abyss before it might be too late. You've got the hot moves, America. Now fucking act like it. May the wings of liberty not lose any more feathers. Sayonara, motherfuckers. We'll see you when we see you. To learn more about the time I was hospitalized with a severe case of the hot moves, you can read my unproduced screenplay entitled Hot Moves 2. Still hot, but barely moving. Much like the original film, it takes place in Venice Beach, only my tale begins in 1987, when I crashed on my roller skates while zipping down the boardwalk, and my head just happened to go straight up the enormous buffalo butt of this lady who was standing, blocking the sidewalk, just chowing down on the biggest hot dog you ever saw, just loaded with toppings. And... Either she instinctually pushed back, or I, totally inadvertently, pushed forward. But it took a team of greased-up bodybuilders to pull us apart some 30 minutes, maybe more. I don't know, I wasn't counting. I couldn't see my watch anyhow. So, you know, but, whew, so much chili. So much cheese sauce. And that relish. Thank God, that relish got everywhere. I was buying little pieces of it for a week. And you know, to this very day, I can't smell that bright, crisp, yellow mustard scent without getting the BAM! Raging hard on. Um, <clears throat> anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, please visit VilligerCigars.com Hey Matt, did you read, did you actually read what apparently you wrote here? Listen to this sentence. Much like the original film, it takes place on Venice Beach, only my tale begins in 1987 when I crashed on my roller skates while zipping down the boardwalk and my head went straight up some lady's enormous buffle butt who was eating a hot dog loaded with toppings on the sidewalk. And it starts off with much like the original film, which doesn't really tie in, I don't think, with any scene I remember in the film. Okay, my point. All right, yep. All right, yep. You got it. I will just read the words 
as presented to me. I am the voice and nothing but the voice. Yep. Yeah. You know what a quarter is? 25 cents more than I get paid to do this. So, you know, yeah, I'm the voice, but I'm a person too. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.FritzBeerMusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. <laughs>